You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com.
Ladies and gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be found on the mountain. Time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chiefs Sports Network. Touchdown, Carolina! Touchdown, Ace Sanders! Pressure! Penny just dives in! All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics, Sinorama.com, located in West Columbia. And you can find them at Founders Park and Colonial Life Arena this weekend. It will be a busy time in the capital city. Look around when you walk through the gates at 4 o'clock or actually at three o'clock on Friday, you'll want to be there for three thirty, as the Tommy Moody trip will begin around then. Uh, but when you walk in those outfield or from the outfield, you'll see Sinorama's work. You know the national championship banner, Sinorama, Gamecock owned, Gamecock operated, built by the Barn Dominium Co. The BarnDominiumCo.com, where you can build your dream home in the Carolinas, Georgia, and in Tennessee, as low as one hundred and sixty dollars per square foot. Also, Gamecock owned and operated and always served by Chickencock. Chickencock bourbon is fantastic. If you haven't tried it, I would highly suggest you do. Maybe you'll use it before you tailgate Friday, Saturday, Sunday this weekend to keep yourself warm as Carolina baseball is set to crank up in Columbia. Carolina basketball cranks up tonight. Guess what, boys and girls? The biggest game in college basketball features your South Carolina Gamecocks on the road in Auburn, Alabama to take on the 13th ranked Tigers where they are blowing teams out in Neville Arena. Derek Scott will join JC Phil and myself in 15 minutes from the Plains to preview tonight's matchup that will tip off at 8:30 on the SEC Network. Happy Valentine's Day by the way. Looking to spread a little Gamecock love in the Yellowhammer State. We'll see if it happens so far, so good this year at home, the Tigers have not lost there. And that is why the point spreads where it does at 11 and a half. The closest game that they've had has been an 11 point victory against Texas A&M a few weeks ago. So we'll see what happens tonight when Lamont Paris and his boys roll it out and tip it off against a very, very talented Auburn team. Carolina is in first place in the SEC alongside Alabama. 
Gamecocks have a couple of opportunities to stay there. The Tide have a bit of a lighter weekend compared to South Carolina with this trip tonight. So uh, we will get hell uh, well into that. We've got Matt Anderson coming up at 12 o'clock today as well, and uh, he is our statistician or as close as we can get to Joe Lenardi here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. So excited to get into some of the deep dive numbers with him. And uh, we mentioned Carolina baseball will continue to get you ready for opening day where we will be live at 10 a.m. on Friday from Founders Park up in the press box, and they will uh, play at 4 o'clock. So a four-hour program coming up here uh, at the end of the work week and looking forward to that. Without further ado, though, Mad Dog and Schubert are in, and we are ready to roll. Good morning, boys. Good morning. Good morning. There are going to be snacks up there. The, there are going to be snacks. I actually am. Uh, I'm working hey. with uh, somebody you know well on that, so we'll we'll be well fed. And um, as long as who's going to be in the booth with us? So Lake will be in the booth. King will come up. Derek will come up. Hopefully, Coach Tanner. I don't think Kip is coming up, but he might. Um, and Monty. So that we might get anything to eat with that, right. they might wipe it out. That's all right. That's not, not, not King, not King and Monty though. I mean, they, they all they gotta do is go downstairs and eat in the in the, in the team room. I mean, they get a team meal. So if they come up and start, sn- you know, snaking our stuff, That's we're gonna have a problem. Will there be little Smokies? No. Oh. Pigs in a blanket? No. No. Not worth going. Not worth. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you said, yes, those are, uh, on a flight tonight. <laughs> tailgate spot. Those are about to uh, do the the Spartanburg County buffet here at the house on game days. That's uh, little Smokies and uh, you know meatballs and pigs in a blanket. That's kind of kind of our thing. Want to apologize? Uh, and by the way, uh, Eric, you don't have to apologize for anything yesterday. I understand when you're coming in and out of the show and. Uh, I'd know well what it feels like having lived in the state of Georgia uh, early 20 years ago and listening to sports talk radio. And that's back before the internet was at your fingertips and stuff and just begging to hear anything about the Gamecocks, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I understand if you have a a mindset like that and you you were excited, so you didn't offend Mm -hmm. any of us at all. Uh, And and I want to apologize yesterday because I went back and listened to part of the show and I had this nice microphone that solved all my audio issues off the entire time. I, I, I guess the settings got messed up in StreamYard, so I sounded like I was at the bottom of a well. And I want to apologize for that. Uh, I hope I sound more docile-toned today uh, and, and all that stuff because I've I've really tried to make it a focus of mine personally to make sure I don't sound like a, you know, sound bad. I'm not saying I never digress and there's times where I'll start typing and it's not good, but, uh, I've, I've tried real hard to be the shepherd folks. I'm trying mm-hmm. to Ringo. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd, but anyway, it's great to be here. It's great that it's opening week of baseball season. I was telling Nat today, I was like, normally we're all like straight and we are here on the show and the fan base. Everybody's excited about baseball starting, but this, um, this basketball, uh, season is just kind of, uh, taking on a life of its own, and certainly it's it's a gigantic game tonight. You know, you maintain pace. I think, I think Alabama's off, JB, aren't they? Until Saturday. Yes. Yeah. So could Carolina wins for a fleeting moment? They're a half game up, first place in the league. 
And uh, keep in mind, as JB pointed out, even though Bama won the, the head-to-head, it, it, they, the SEC will still award a co-championship trophy if you finish tied. Uh, Bama will mm-hmm. get the, the number one seed in the tournament, but South Carolina will still get some hardware. So um, there you go uh, with that. Hayne asked about crab legs. Nat's got a bad stomach ache. She picked up in Vegas. I don't know that she can handle crab legs, but we're going to do something tonight. So we'll see what happens there. But anyway, uh, that's what's going on on my side of the world. Certainly looking forward to talking with uh, the voice and with uh, Maddie Ice later. Yeah. Talk yeah. a little hoops. Yeah. Well, plenty of hoops. There's no doubt about it. Again, happy Valentine's Day to all of you out there who celebrate Valentine's Day. Uh, last night, it was not a lot of love being shown by the Syracuse Orange in Syracuse, New York. They knocked off seventh-ranked North Carolina, 86-79. to Syracuse making a claim to postseason late with a little bit of a run here. Now 16-9, and 7-7 and in ACC play. North Carolina will be just fine to get into the postseason, but they did suffer their third loss in the league and their sixth loss overall on the season. A couple of other games we, we told you to – to maybe keep an eye on for potential upsets. That was one, and it happened. The other, Butler almost pulled it off, but couldn't. Marquette escaped 78-72. to Fourth-ranked Marquette, we might add, out of the uh, Big East. And then uh, you also had uh, Kentucky and Ole Miss last night. Kentucky pulls away and wins 75-63. to Ole Miss drops below 500 in league play, going to 18-5-6 and and overall. The Wildcats, uh, without the turnovers, looked a little bit more like fourth straight loss at home, which would be a record because three straight losses at home was a record. If that makes sense. Uh, Wisconsin's back to their winning ways as well. They, they defeated Ohio State 62-54. to 54. And uh, so those were some of the things that we kind of mentioned yesterday. Iowa State also uh, avoiding an upset loss in Cincinnati. They were not favored in the game, although ranked 10th in the nation. Cincinnati was favored, but Iowa State gets out of there with a win. Again, those are all the things that we talked about yesterday to – keep an eye on what we didn't mention to maybe keep an eye on was what could have happened in nashville tennessee last night vanderbilt with a last second game winning swish of a shot somehow pulls off a stunner against texas a&m 74 to 73 and i got a text with about eight minutes to go when vanderbilt was up one from a friend who said can they hang on here and I said, no, they're not deep enough to hang on. No chance. There's a reason they only have six wins. Well, there was a chance, and they did. So they got their second win of the year in the SEC. Congrats to the Commodores, who now are going to make a run at the SEC title. No, I'm just kidding. They don't have a prayer. But they did get their second win in the league. Their other coming against Missouri just a few games ago. So they are 2-2 two and two in their last four games. Two of those losses, of course, coming to Kentucky and the Gamecocks in Columbia, although probably won't be a lot of momentum built off of that victory as their next trip is to Knoxville, where uh, it could end not so well on Saturday night. But uh, pretty crazy upset there. That was definitely an upset. Florida, by the way, defeated LSU 82-80. to And if any of you didn't see what happened in this game, dude, it was wild. Like, LSU was getting oars blown off of them, and I stopped paying attention. I don't know about you boys, but I checked 10 minutes later, and the game's tied. I thought, well, now, how that's got to be – there's no way. They were down, like, 20 points. But they came back. They tied the game. 
and had a chance at the end. They turned it over. Florida scored. And then LSU had a wide-open three that they chose not to take and then drove into the lane where they had another wide-open shot, and then he passed it to a dude who wasn't open, who passed it back to him, who was open, and he missed a wide-open four-footer. And LSU lost. 82-80 to 80 in the swamp. So Florida continues to win, but LSU just continues to reel. Now at 12-12, and 4-7 and seven in the league. They've lost six of seven. Uh, yeah, six of seven and three straight. And now they're going to have to try to get things straightened out in Colonial Life Arena at 3.30 on Saturday. And that, according to Al Roker, Roker is what's happening in our neck of the woods. LSU doesn't like to play. I mean, they're, they're, they're a skilled offensive basketball team. They don't like to be guarded. Uh, I don't, I, you know, Florida's kind of schizophrenic with defense. And I mean, I watched most of Florida, Georgia a few weeks back and Florida had them down 20 or whatever. Georgia came all the way back and tied the game. So Florida's susceptible to comebacks. Um, I don't know how great they are on the road other than the Kentucky win because you know, Kentucky wasn't going to guard them. Um, I need to kind of look around and check what they do against some of the better defensive teams in the league. Auburn is, and they beat Auburn pretty good mm-hmm. down in uh, Gainesville. So uh, I tell you what, that um, that Vandy game was certainly interesting. And, I, and I, I've had a theory on A&M. I think A&M, their kids, and, and it surprises me because Buzz Williams is such a good coach. Their kids, I think, get up for names on jerseys and then don't get up for other teams because they've lost too many games this year. And then like they'll turn around and beat the crap out of Tennessee. Uh, they'll be Kentucky at home or whatever. Uh, that's an inconsistent basketball team. That's also the type of basketball team that you're sitting there when they're in the elite eight and you're going, how the hell did they get here? <laughs> you know, cause they are Agreed. very good, Excuse but, me. um, you know, being South Carolina in this situation, I don't think sometimes it's not bad because, no matter how good the Gamecocks record is, and no matter how much Bruce Pearl, Buzz Williams, whoever, uh, Todd Golden at Florida preached to those guys, they all didn't even consider South Carolina one bit coming out of college or the transfer portal. South Carolina's off their radar. To them, it may as well be playing a Division II team. And, and so, okay, well, let's say South Carolina was just a very skilled offensive team, a lot like Kentucky or Florida or whatever, and didn't play much defense. Yeah, then they'll go out there and ball and win 97-95. But when you have a team that you have trouble getting up for anyway because of the name on the front of the jersey, and then they guard you six inches in front of your face the whole game, and you can't get a shot off, and you can't get in your offense, and they're passing it 18 times and hitting threes with the shot clocks, and you're exhausted, <clears throat> you, can, you can take the will out of some – I think that's what happened. Look at Kentucky. You know, mm-hmm. Tennessee's not that type of – Tennessee's not built that way. Tennessee's built to kind of be that type of team. They're just immensely skilled otherwise. But um, some of these teams, man, you just look at it. Uh, Vandy, Vandy's getting – Vandy has not quit. Missouri has, by the way. <laughs> Missouri's quit. Vandy has not quit. Vandy beat Missouri. Vandy had the Gamecocks down in halftime in Columbia. Uh, but Carolina took their will away in the second half, namely Colin Murray Boyles and all of BJ Max threes. Um, but then they get back up off the mat and beat A&M, so that, that's good. I mean, that's good for them That because uh, I, I think Stackhouse is a little bit on the hot seat this year. But, um, you know, I, I think I think it's going to be an interesting couple of games. I think, obviously, Auburn defensively is a bear. Auburn skill-wise is a bear. Auburn's really, really good. I mean, Mike Morgan saw them 
gosh, I guess in December it was like Auburn's are really, really good. And they are. I mean, you know, you're talking about a team that beat Alabama by 20 at home and, you know, has, has been consistently good, but they're, they're beatable just like everybody else. Um, you know, and then moving on to LSU this weekend, and we'll talk more about that later, I'm sure. Uh, you you got to guard them because they are good. They will they can score. They can score on just about anybody. I watched most of their game with Bama, uh, but I don't think they like teams that play defense either. So that's um, you know I think the Gamecocks if they can get a if they can get a, a split this week and then uh, maybe head into an old Miss that's demoralized. Uh, that's two tough road games. Uh, the next two, but um, certainly you'd like to get you'd like to get to eleven and two heading into that week off, um, if you possibly can, at the very least 10 and three, and then you're set up for the, the final five, the stretch run. And that's, uh, that's got to be exciting to have, I mean, meaningful basketball around here, like very meaningful championship level, meaningful basketball around here in February is awesome. As of last night, the Tigers are a three seed by Joe Lenardi, Gamecocks, a five seed. That could change in a hurry if the South Carolina basketball boys can walk into Neville tonight and knock them off. Derek Scott will call the game. He'll join us when we return on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. It's the season of love, and there's no sweeter time and place to feel it than today at Love Chevrolet, the heart-pounding rumble of the Silverado High Country, the captivating 2024 Chevy Trax SUV, most affordable in its class. No matter what features you're looking for in a brand new Chevy, your match is waiting for you right now at Love Chevy. In this 63rd season of love, your trusted hometown Chevy dealer is proud to carry on the tradition of honesty, integrity, and treating customers like family. No fast talk, no gimmicks, no ridiculous add-on stickers. Simply the best selection of new Chevys at South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer right now and ready to drive home today. Don't forget about the $1,000 low price guarantee. Wow, there's a lot to love about Love Chevy. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Together, let's drive. That's the power Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotra, Convented Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. 
I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks! Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast I got plenty of that. South Carolina will walk into Neville Arena tonight at 21 and 3, 9 and 2 in the league. That is good enough, as you all well know by now, for a tie of first place with the Alabama Crimson Tide. Auburn right behind them at 8 and 3, 19 and 5 overall. Welcome back inside the game, Cox, the show built by the Barn Dominium Company. The Barndo Co. is what they're called, the Barn Dominium Co. Dot com somewhere on the plains of Auburn. I'm going to assume it's Opaika is where we find Eric Scott. No, sir. We are in the heart of the oh. Auburn campus. Whoa, yeah, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Like if you remember the NAUS, the NAUSC, they have a very similar mm-hmm. boutique style hotel right here on campus. It's awesome. Good space. Nice. That's a dangerous place to put college kids, Derek. Well, why not? You know. Well, I don't know. I don't think we had a whole lot of uh, ability to get out. And I mean, I mean. I shouldn't say that guy. That age group keeps different hours than I do, but uh, we 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 got in a little later than we normally do because you know Auburn is somewhere in the middle of nowhere, so you'd still have to ride a bus an hour after your flight, uh, which is mind-boggling. But that's that's just the way it is on this particular. Where do you where do you fly into Columbus? Yep, Georgia. Columbus, GA, and then bus on yeah. over to Auburn from there. And where, what's that? About an hour flight or so. Yeah, yeah, the flight the flight felt like it was shorter than the bus ride for sure. Uh, I'm sure it did. So uh, yeah, bus, fly and buses and uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, uh, and uh, got got these guys a meal and gave them a chance to go to the arena if they wanted to get some shots up, and that was pretty much it for the evening. 
Describe that arena for Neville Arena. Like Mike Morgan talks about it all the time. It's it's turned into an outstanding environment for college yeah. basketball. It's but it's sure. small and quaint, especially it's about half the size of of the CLA. Yeah, it is. Uh, it really is. But man, they did a great job with it. They've the seating is not robust, but it is very close to the court, and they made a point, you know, to think it think it through and make sure the students got uh, some great positioning to really impact the game. They've still got, um, you know, the premium area because that's really the two audiences you're you're balancing. You want to make sure the kids like it, and you want to make sure the the donors like it. And they have really nice space that's right off of the court on the second level, as I recall, uh, that gives the donors a chance to to really, you know, kind of hang out, have a cocktail, and at the same time still have full view of the court. So it it is. It's it's it was well thought out, uh, and and you know it sits right next to. Uh, the old building that they had here, and uh, and it's it's kind of a, a pretty good example of you know the modern view of of you know uh, an arena setting and how you can make it better. Bigger isn't always better, especially when your school is as rural as what we were just talking about. Uh, yeah. So no, it, it's it's perfect for what they have. And I was talking to a good friend of mine who works in the ACC now and used to work in the SEC, and he he was very pointed in saying it's tougher to play in than Cameron. If you're not the Tar Heels going into Cameron, Cameron's not that not that big of a deal. The, the crazies don't get that crazy for anyone not wearing sky blue. Uh, and and whereas over here, these nuts are nuts pretty much 24-7 when, when the Tigers are playing at home. Falling, in the, falling into the footsteps of their coach. I, and I like Bruce. I've got a respect for Bruce. But he is a, he's kind of kooky. Uh, he's a He's something. It's it's certainly worked out. You could take ten Neville Arenas and uh, and put it into uh, their football stadium, and 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 there you go. All right. Um, so uh, I I want to I want to say this statement one more time and just see what type of reaction you give. This, this is really neat. The biggest game in college basketball tonight features the South Carolina Gamecocks, Derek. Yes, it does. You've got a couple of nationally ranked teams, squads that are in the hunt at the top of or close to the. Uh, uh, championship the uh, the first place mark in one of the two or three best leagues in the country. So yes, it most certainly does happen here, uh, and uh, and you know the 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 way that that has come about is as much the story as anything because it is such a surprise that you have these two teams uh, and not Kentucky and you know not uh, some of the other squads that maybe preseason had higher expectations like a Texas A and M. It's Auburn and it's South Carolina, and it is a huge, huge game on the national scene as well as obviously in the SEC. I think one of the more interesting stats that I have seen in college basketball this year, uh, if you, well, a combo of stats, I should say, has to do with this War Eagle basketball team here. They've got 10 guys who've played in all 24 games, and they all average between 24 and in 14 minutes, Eric, they've got to be the only team in the country that has a stat like that. It is interesting that um, they have this kind of depth and they play everyone that much. And, and I, I give all the credit to Bruce on that because it's not as if he doesn't have clear stars on this team. I mean, Denai Broom probably is worthy of more attention and praise than he has gotten this year. Most of the hype this season in this league has been about Dalton Connect uh, and even Mark Sears. Janai Broom, if he's not in 
in the, the very front end of your conversation for player of the year in this league, I, I don't know how he's not. You're not paying attention. I mean, the guy is the best low post performer in the league. He's, you know, 16 points, 8.6 rebounds a game. But to your point, JB, he doesn't just get left out there for 30 plus minutes a game. They have, you know, very experienced Dylan Cardwell from Augusta who is still going to be able to come in, give him a rest, pick up the energy in a huge way, and they do it all over the court. They really do. It's not lacking star power, but it is still like two rotations, and he will run them in and out of there, and they play at a high pace as a result of not having to worry about you know their energy and things of that nature. And, again, give all the credit to Bruce for building this roster the way he has and and seemingly keeping everyone satisfied with what their role is. Think about a guy like KD Johnson. Two years ago, he was one of the first names you mentioned on the roster. Then last year, he was subtly moved into a sixth-man role. Well, now he is, you know, still a big part of their team, but again, he doesn't start. Uh, His minutes are more limited this year than they've ever been, and this is his last year, but he seems to be fine with it and and – and it gives them a lot of uh, a lot of different you know ways to go about winning games. All right. So, what about this? Before we start talking about specific perform recent performances of, of the Gamecocks and getting more on our side of things, what about this Auburn team presents a problem tonight for South Carolina? What are those issues that they'll be dealing with? Well, a couple things. First off, their defense is elite. Uh, South Carolina has played some amazing defense this year, but if you look at the numbers, Auburn even stacks up better. They're number one in the nation in two-point field goal percentage defense. They have rim protection. It is hard to score against them. Number two in the nation in effective field goal percentage, which basically means that it's hard to make shots from all over the court against them. That's that's the thing when you see, you know, 38% opponent's field goal percentage. Only Houston's is better in the country. Then you see a 30% three-point percentage defense, and that's 23rd in the nation, and that's the second best uh, in our league. And in conference play, it's best in our league. Um, So they're just really hard to score on. Uh, And then the other side of it is that combination inside. I mentioned Janai Broom. Jalen Williams is his running mate. I think those two play off of each other probably better than any combo of four and five men uh, in the league. They they can play that high-low game very well uh, and, and share the ball with each other, work off of each other very well. And, you know, they, they both are capable of pulling their defender away from the basket. You can't sag really off of either of them to help on the other one. So it is – it's always going to be a tough matchup. And – if you go back to last year, which granted that was a completely different South Carolina team, but you know they never did figure out what to do with that pair. You know, Janai Broom had his season high last year, twenty-seven points and eleven rebounds, and it was kind of like uh, Colin Murray Boyles the other day against Vanderbilt. It was just two-point field goal after two-point field goal. You, you didn't think he was ever going to miss, uh, and and Williams had solid numbers that day as well. Uh, so yeah, that's that's to me the, the the matchup on the court that always has to be at the front of your uh, your list of concerns. How did they lose to App State again back in December? <laughs> Has anybody figured that out yet? They are 
First off, App State's pretty darn good. Let's say that for starters. I like the looking at somebody's bracketology the other day, and they had South Carolina matched up with App State. Yeah, that's uh, scary. Some representative, uh, but moreover, they are a team that feeds off of their crowd so well that they dominated home. Not that they haven't played well on the road, but we've seen some hiccups away from Neville from this bunch. Uh, and you know, at this point, all of their losses. You know, you got five of them. They've all come somewhere other than here in Auburn. So that tells you that there there is something that's a little different about this team, home versus road. But doesn't matter for us because we got to play them in Neville. So, okay. So you mentioned the things that Auburn does well defensively, and 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 then their transition. By the way, if they if they get it and get out, and go boy. They not only uh, not only can they be quick to the hoop and and put the ball through the basket they can put you on a poster in a hurry they've got all those funny antics in their in their arsenal um but but we've been seeing it and then last it, last game it really popped with Colin Murray Boyles and and you and Casey were having a blast this on the air um I mean he it was amazing it was every two seconds she turned around and the dude just kind of around the basket he's got the ball again and then there it is it's in the, it's in the hoop so He's going to be a focus tonight. I, I think Bruce has even mentioned that uh, you know they're going to do everything they can to make sure that BJ Matt can't just step out there and shoot three pointers. But these big guys have to perform in order to get out of there with a win tonight, Derek. So, what are we looking at uh, out of out of Colin and out of BJ and their game and what they can provide to maybe maybe help that along? Well, they've got to stay patient. Can't afford foul trouble. Uh, you know that's the thing. This this Auburn team fouls a lot and they can frustrate you into doing the same and that crowd can certainly frustrate you in uh, in that manner so especially I think about this with Colin being young being a freshman I uh, hasn't seen a lot of atmospheres that are comparable to this certainly Tennessee is tough but that's a bigger building they don't fans don't feel like they're right on top of you like they do here just need him to keep his composure uh, not have any frustration moments that lead to fouls uh, he's going to be going up against grown men tonight. There's no question. I mean, let's let's face it: the dudes that were defending him against Vanderbilt are not cut from the same cloth as these guys. You know, I mean, Jalen Williams is a fifth-year guy. He's six-eight and two hundred forty-five pounds. Uh, and then when you look at Broom, a, another fifth-year guy uh, who, or fourth-year guy, I guess, uh, and Broom is six-ten, two forty. And then when they Go to the bench as you were talking about all the the the, the minutes they get from their non-starters. Dylan Cardwell, 6'11", 255. and they're guys that play with a lot of emotion. They will try and get in your head. Uh, this crowd certainly will. So those two, really, BJ and, and definitely Colin, have to really be able to manage that. I think that's the first challenge. And then beyond that, then you get, you got to play through the defense that is so sticky. Uh, this is a shot-blocking bunch. He, Bruce, every year, seems to have a team that's in the top ten in the nation, if not the top five, and block shots. They're there again. So you got to again, you got to be smart. You got to use some pump fakes and get guys off feet and try and get them into some uh, into some foul situations. <laughs> well, shoot, this is BJ Max going to score thirty points this game. He's a <laughs> pump fake machine. It'll just keep going up and and down until somebody jumps on top of him. Um, mentioning those guys though. It, it, they they obviously have to perform and, and play well tonight. But at the end of the day, to to steal a phrase from the voice of Gamecock basketball, Derek Scott, it it really is going to run through the old man. 
uh, Tawan Cooper. I mean, when you get into an environment like this, Derek, I just feel like it's your leadership and your maturity uh, that that's going to keep you in the ball game and uh, and give you a chance to win this sucker. And he's he's the steady Eddie of, of this group. So his role tonight, I feel like, will be magnified. Yeah, and and he will have you know a size advantage, I think, on most of the guys guarding him. So there may be some opportunities for him uh, to try and you know work out of the post and give Carolina some offense in that regard. I'm anxious to see what Lamont has in mind. You know, um, Talon and Janai Broom are best friends. You know, they played a couple of years together at Moorhead State before they went their separate wow. ways. And I was talking to him about that at breakfast today. That's the first time he's ever gone against him in a non-practice setting. Uh, and not that they'll be head-to-head, obviously, but they'll be going against each other. And, and I'm sure there is that extra bit of motivation that comes with that, uh, going up against your guy. Uh, but yeah, Talon, Ton, every every day his out his he factors in in such a huge way for this team's performance, uh, and I don't believe today will be any different. He's he's got to be good for South Carolina for all the reasons you you spelled out so so well. It, a lot of it is going to come down to uh, keeping a cool head and being the leader and being steady. Uh, we've only seen one game this year where it felt like South Carolina lost that, and that was obviously at Alabama, uh, and. Mm-hmm. And these two, those two teams, you know, they have some similarities in the way they play. Uh, Auburn doesn't shoot it nearly as well as Alabama from the perimeter, but they do want to go fast, like you talked about. They'll get out and go if you get sloppy with the basketball, and they will be trying to take it away from you. They are they're a very physical team. They're going to see how many fouls they can get away with, just in the case of officials not wanting to blow the whistle on every trip down court. So you got to be really strong on that, kind of like what they were against Tennessee in that regard. Does does Talon know that you call him the old man? By the way, I, I don't know if he does or not. I, it's come up a few times in other places, but I've I've never you know brought it up to him and said, "Hey, so are you okay with this?" Hey, I, apparently, I said something on uh, on one hundred seven five yesterday about uh, Casey uh, being a food snob, and that word got back to him by the time we got on the plane last night. So he was letting me know that he, that he does indeed like to go to Waffle House in spite of my claims that he would never be seen in a Waffle House. So I've been proven wrong already once this week. So. Uh, <laughs> maybe Talon's going to show me a birth certificate that proves I'm wrong and he's really not old. I don't, <laughs> think, that, I don't think he's going to do that. I just didn't know if he answered, you know, when you shout, hey, old man, you know, if he turned around or does he not know who's talking to or <laughs> – He's, he's, to he's too busy being a social media maven. You know, he, he's the star right. of Tuesdays with Talon. So, yeah, I, I think that that's one of the neat things. You see, you can't do that stuff when you're losing, right, Derek? You know, right. if they're out there, right. be, yeah, you be bopping around and you're 11 and 20, nobody wants to see it. But, but when you're winning and you can handle it, and, and the maturity of this team just continues to shine through. I mean, it, <clears throat> this seven game winning streak here in the SEC, of course, it's the longest since the. Uh, the the team that won the SEC title back in 96-97. So, so it's been a while. I guess that's 27 years since we've seen a winning streak in the league like this, which is really, really sensational. But when you think about it as a whole, what what, what has been the constant that it's allowed it to evolve like this way? Well, I'd say the defense has been the constant. Uh, although I will say this, the last couple times out have been a little bit of a, uh, a chink in the armor if you look at the the, the – uh, the, the, yeah. the final score may not indicate it, but shooting percentages have gone, you know, the wrong way against Ole Miss and against Vanderbilt. And that 
that's the one thing I'm kind of watching right now is everybody goes through some some dips over the course of a long season. It's just Im- impossible to think you won't. And uh, I am I am kind of curious to see if that's a, a trend that's happening with his team right now. But by and large, yes, the defense has traveled. The defense has been there every step of the way uh, because there have been some games where they shot the ball better than than uh, than others, uh, and there have been some games where you had individuals that just took over through the team on their back. That may be the one thing about it that stands out to me is how many different folks have, you know, had their moment in the sun in that regard. You know, as you mentioned, it was certainly Colin on Saturday, but we know early in the year, Michi had an amazing run going during the non-conference. BJ has stepped up and been huge in a couple of important early season uh, conference wins, both well, non-conference and conference for that matter. Talon's had some huge games. Uh, when South Carolina needed it, uh, you know, Miles Studi, going back to that Virginia Tech game. There have been a lot of guys uh, who have stepped forward at different times. Uh, and that, to me, is also telling for a squad that doesn't necessarily have any stars, you need everybody to, to uh, you know, to be able to step forward at a given moment and be a leader. Uh, and, that, and this bunch has gotten that from up and down the roster, really. I think it's amazing to hear you say that, and, and you're right. The, the shooting percentages have gone a little differently. Ole Miss kind of found a seam in the paint there and was able to hit a bunch of those mid-rangers. At least that one kid was. He was Man, they were dropping all over the place. But then you go back and you look at the scores, and they're virtually the same every game. You know, that, that limiting possessions thing does work. It's, a, it's an offset if you have an off night defensively because you're, you just only score so many points. I mean, you only get the ball so many times. Yep. Uh, so final keys to the game here tonight for you, uh, Derek. I know we've hit on some of them, but just a, a quick summary of what, at least in your eyes, the Gamecocks will need to do uh, to to escape. They'll be the first team to walk in there this year and get out of there with a victory. And last I checked, nobody had been closer than 11 points in all of those losses in Rebel Arena this season. The Carolina's an 11-and-a-half-point dog going into the game tonight. So. Uh, final quick thoughts on, on on what they'll need to do to to wash all that away. Big factor we haven't really talked about too much so far is taking care of the basketball turnovers fuel Auburn. Uh, they can we talked about their ability to get out in fast break opportunities that usually is off of live ball turnovers. In uh, the first eleven conference games, they have forced thirteen point three turnovers per game. That's the best in the league, uh, mm-hmm. and so you can't fall into that trap got to take care of the basketball because especially against a defense that's good, every possession matters. You really can't waste too many possessions if you're going to keep up with them. Uh, and then I think foul trouble is is huge to avoid. Can't get into a situation where you're getting cheapies uh, against their interior guys specifically, trying to find a way to manage Broom uh and uh and and his running mate up there and, and Jalen Williams will be very important, I think. Uh and then the flip side of that is BJ Mack needs to be able to have the kind of shooting day I think that he had on Saturday. That opens up the court for this team from a spacing standpoint so well. If BJ can hit three or four or five three pointers, man, that is uh that that really changes the equation with this bunch. Derek, cannot wait to hear you and Casey on call tonight. It will be 8 o'clock airtime on the Gamecock Sports Network. They will tip it at 8.30, 8.30 tonight 
uh, between Auburn and South Carolina. Valentine's Day, maybe Carolina will spread a little love on the Plains uh, and uh, and deliver their eighth straight eighth straight SEC victory. That's the longest SEC winning streak in the league this year. It's got to be. Absolutely, it is. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot a lot of streaks on the line tonight. Auburn has never beaten South Carolina seven times in a row. It's six right now. Uh, Auburn has the only team in the league to not lose a home game. Uh, it, there's a lot, you know, that's, that's due, <laughs> you know, the, the, if, if you look at the trends and kind of believe what goes around, comes around in this game that, uh, you know, maybe favors South Carolina, but who knows? You, you got to go out there and play. I'm obviously concerned that they have a 245 pound dude opposite broom. And, you know, you got BJ Mack and, and CMB down there. And that's a, that's a tough matchup for those two guys. And, and they were kind of the guys that got it going against Vandy. So, uh, I think if uh, Colin Murray Bulls goes out and puts 31 on the board again tonight, uh, I don't know, give the NIL, get the NBA folks on the, on the phone. But, uh, yeah, but hey, yeah, I, I'll tell you this, I don't think, I don't think he's going to back down, Derek, to you. No, no, no. I don't think he's going to be intimidated by these guys at all. JC, well, you know, so like some of these young guys, they, they don't know what they don't know. He's, You're he's, exactly right. He's less worried about Neville Arena than any of us are. I guarantee you yeah. that. That has yeah. crossed his mind to be concerned about that. Is it is it true that him and Chloe Kitts are are, are a thing? That true? Are you really asking me that for some kind of verification? Valentine's Day, Derek. You're, you're there. You, hey, I just found out that Talana's best friends with Janai Broom. One at a time. Let me see, <laughs> let me, let me see what I can find out and shoot around today. All right? <laughs> <Entertain>. <laughs> minutes. I'll see what I can dig up while we're over at the arena. And then if they don't know, if nobody there, then I'm going to Toomer's drugstore and I'll see who knows what around there because you know that that believe me they know drugstore right so that's where they get an answer that's where they talk yeah the little old ladies they've got the but you've got to phrase it like you you know the farmers only.com it's got like this is basketballplayersonly.com you know what I mean you know (laughs) basketballplayers.com or whatever uh, we, a power, that might be the power couple in college basketball. If this is if this is true, they're both good so looking kids. A, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. photogenic. You know. All right, Terrence, Terrence said it's true. Okay, so they uh, they put, oh, they put it on social media. media. Well, there you go. So, so it's that's it. That's oh, right. Derek. Now it's done. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Derek, you're you're not going to be on Inside Edition anymore, man. That's it's okay. The but, but entertainment tonight. Yeah. Somebody tell Travis and Taylor to move the hell over. We got a real power couple happening. There you go. Football's over. Yeah, football season's done, man. Um, so we uh, I, I'll be Friday, of course, for opening day game. You've got a busy week. Here we go. This is Eric's time of year. If you're gonna catch him, you better catch him between trips because it's hard. Um, you got this one, and then Friday in the booth. Saturday you'll be at basketball, and then Sunday back to baseball. If yes. Correct. Coaches okay. for Thursday night. Uh, don't don't forget Carolina calls. You know that's tomorrow night. Coaches yeah. should tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, so um, and we'll certainly talk plenty of baseball. I'm going to reserve most of that for for Friday with you. We'll get you at the end of the show. But um, but I, I just wanted to you know we we think about you, Derek. You know you're gonna you're gonna call it this year without Tommy, but you'll have Stuart Lake up there. I know there's some a lot of emotion going through you and with opening day you're, you're not used to it being this way and just wanted to see how you were feeling and how you're doing with uh, with baseball season coming up 
Well, I can tell you, I had to go over to the stadium yesterday and test out all of our lines in the home and the visiting radio booth. And it hit, it, there's no question, it hit me when I walked in that booth, man. I mean, it, it's just like that. Tommy always had so much stuff that stayed in there year-round. I mean, he, he, he was a bit of a pack rat on the level of all of his history. And there was stuff that I, you know, that I fully expected I was going to come across when I walked in. But somebody had cleaned out the booth pretty much. I don't know if, if, if Casey, his daughter, had gone over there or maybe Kent from Media Relations. But it wasn't there. And that, I don't know, maybe that was a good thing. But it stunned me that I walked in and I didn't see all the memories of Tommy that I'm used to seeing there. That's for sure. But it's still his booth. Uh, and, and come Friday, uh, there are going to be some really neat things announced and some stuff that we're going to do pregame that will really, you know, reinforce that fact. And I, I, I am, I am really looking forward to it as we've gotten closer. The, the game will, the game will come, but I'm looking forward as much as anything to everything that has been put together to really celebrate Tommy that'll be taking place uh, on Friday prior to first pitch. And then, and then Stewart and I will obviously continue that into uh, the game broadcast, but I'll just say this. If you're coming, do not screw around in the parking lot. I know it's opening day. It's tailgate time, but get your, your arse in the stadium in time uh, for, for the pregame stuff. It's, it's going to be really special. Yeah. I was told, um, being there by about three thirty, is that is that? I, that's a, I think three thirty is very safe. If you're in by three thirty, okay. you're you're plenty. You you should be fine. Absolutely. Well, we'll be in there, so uh, I know that. Uh, but we'll continue to push that out there. But we, I just, you know, we've been thinking about you, and and um, we we know we know what it means, and we all we all whew, miss Tommy, and we're doing our best here too, to to do what we can for Tommy Moody. Gamecock baseball is so unique in that way, and in the fact that it connects. All the generations together. There's so many great people that have that have been involved over the year that uh, will all in moments like these be right there for one another. And and I know we'll hear for you as the voice of Gamecock baseball. And although Stewart will be sitting there, Tommy will be sitting there too. Oh yeah, and he'll always be there. And um, and uh, great great piece that Scott Eisberg did uh, yeah. did yesterday. I saw that on social media uh, this morning yeah. down in. Uh, uh, he's with what the ABC station in Charleston. Yeah. Yep, Channel Four. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Did a great, did a great job. Did yeah. a great job. Absolutely. Well, Derek, you do a great job every time the mic is on. And gosh, I hope tonight you've got something to put spurs on, my man. Eight o'clock airtime, eight thirty tip time. Full Arena, number eleven, South Carolina, number thirteen, Auburn. It could be a classic, and uh, we'll see if they can bring another win back to Columbia. You know the drill. Bring it with. You got it, guys. All right, we'll talk to you again on Friday. See you Friday. Thanks, Derek. Yeah. Derek. There you go. Derek's got the great voice of Gamecock basketball. We got to we got to adjust that mad dog cuz it's that time. Gamecock basketball and Gamecock baseball. I don't have enough room. I don't have room to put it on the social media stuff, so I just put the voice of the Gamecocks. The voice. And it's up to everyone else to figure out what season we're in. And I think there's probably speaking of seasons of snowballs chance in Hades that we get the other voice of the Gamecocks ever to come on the show. So uh, we'll just consider him the voice of the Gamecocks for show purposes. No, you never know. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I'm not going to turn down Todd if he wants to come on. I just, I just no, I've no, never, no. Todd, Todd will do, Todd doesn't do a whole lot of interviews. So. No, he, d- he doesn't do a lot of radio. He's a man um, of mystery. 
Yeah, I've shoot, I've talked to him about that maybe a few. Oh gosh, it's, it's been more than that now, four or five years ago, I guess. We were trying to work some things out, and and you know, he he generally when you speak with somebody and and invite them to come have a conversation with you, I you don't you don't you just don't know much unless there's a reason that you know, hey, I I just can't right now, and um and he he it wasn't anything rude he wasn't rude at all it was just you know if i've got some time i'll, I'll let you know as like i'm not really that interested um oh, yeah. i said okay that's fine that's fine we understand so i don't uh, think yeah, it's okay we have a better shot with tommy than we would todd suggs yeah, yeah i'd love to have him on now but i don't Maybe. know either yeah. those two uh, are those two they, are their own pretty buttoned up those yeah, two right. are their own people they're not they're not uh they're not website fans at all. They're not JC fans at all, from what I understand. So uh, I mean, I've never done anything to hurt them. But uh, oh, let's have to do a little voice every now and then. But um, so that's fine. I don't care. We have Derek on and everybody else under the sun. And uh, I think two guys. It's like with a football game, you have so many different points of analysis. Um, sure, it'd be great to get the play-by-play guy or the guy in the booth, but. Honestly, you know, you, 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 that basketball and baseball voice that's there for 31 games, 56 games a year, a lot of times because there's just such a volume of games to keep up with is a better source than maybe in football in general. I'm, I'm not like, okay, so Chris Stewart at Alabama, if you want to talk Alabama baseball, basketball, that's a better person to have on than Eli Gold, who they wheel in every weekend and then he goes and does NASCAR, you know, that kind of thing. So, mm, yeah. Nothing against football play by play guys, but that's uh, that's kind of the deal there. I still got uh, plenty of Carolina basketball to tap into. Matt Anderson coming up at the top of the hour. We also uh, have baseball stuff again, just a couple of days away finally from opening day 2024. And could some major rules changes be coming to college football? We'll discuss that in our programming today as well it is valentine's day happy valentine's day to all of you and anybody that has plans tonight i wish you the best we we don't have many around here we're going to do a uh, heart-shaped pancakes for dinner with my children and that's what they wanted so that's what they'll get in addition to that it's ash wednesday so uh, uh, uh happy ash wednesday to all uh, who celebrate as well it is also national cream filled chocolates day it's national ferris wheel day which dude. terrifying, but this, but this one, in addition to Ash Wednesday, this one here is a big one. Um, it's national organ donor day. Uh, and I, that's always neat because shoot, we just had somebody here not too long ago. One of the, one of the fans of our program who just had to have a, a major, uh, I think it was Joel. Uh, yeah, yeah, I need, I need to, yeah, I need to follow up with him. Cause like when I restarted my phone, I got to log back in. I talk with him on Facebook messenger. So I need to Joel, if you're listening, I haven't been ignoring you. I, Broke my phone into three pieces at the concert by accident and just got a new one. I got to log on to Messenger. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's a uh, uh, shout out to Joel, who um, had been waiting a long time for that transplant. Yeah, yeah man. So crazy. Absolutely crazy. He, he's one of those All guys right. that like used to be the war, one of the worst posters on Big Spurs. So he got perma banned and we started talking and became friends. <laughs> No, I mean there are about five or six people like that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't. They're not nicest. They just use the message boards as like their venting area. And then in real life, they're real nice. There's a lot of people that are really nice on the message board that I wouldn't pee on if they were on fire. 
<laughs> so there you go. It's not real life. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Did JB get frozen? <laughs> JB's over there like Han Solo frozen, and we're like sitting here in silence. Yeah, I was just letting it sit. For for once, I wasn't talking, and then like I think you froze a little bit. So yeah, I was trying to figure out what happened here. Oh, oh you okay. you froze. No, we're back. Yeah, I don't know. And we're back. Yeah, I think we we. Uh, your camera's doing that thing that Mike's does too. By the way, you yeah, your camera's powering a little bit different today. Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, National Ferris Wheel Day. That's Ferris wheels are terrifying. Wow. I, I, I would it. send me. Well, to we need Hades. to hit a timeout, anyways. We got bad energy Don't put me on a Ferris wheel. Don't. don't. That's right. Especially with the wind blowing. Gamecock Traditions, South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock related. The best selection for basketball, baseball, football, tailgating, kids stuff, and everything else. If it's got the Gamecock logo, it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions. Most importantly, they ship it to your doorstep. Order online at GamecockTraditions.com, where there's always a sale. Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com, a tradition unlike the others. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to Elite Roofing ga.com schedule a no hassle free inspection today wind damage hail damage or just wear and tear don't settle for second best let jeremy johnson and elite roofing and restoration take care of it all for you today nana's porch nana's porch.com at nana's porch they cater weddings parties and all kinds of special events their meals are served buffet style in seconds they're encouraged Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nanasporch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
Billy G's Carolina Barbecue presents the national anthem at noon every day on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. They also will serve you this season at Founders Park beginning after opening day weekend uh, coming up here starting on Friday. They've got prior commitments, but after that, you can head to the ballpark and you can eat some fantastic barbecue, some fantastic brisket, some fantastic mac and cheese. There's the menu. Sandwiches. The Mac Attack, the barbecue box, they've got the sides, they've got it all. It's going to be a pretty simple menu, but with the best stuff. Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, and remember, it is now Valentine's Day, February 14th, March, April, May. We start getting into graduation season. If you've got a party that you need catered, you better book it now. If you get a food truck, you better book it now because they're going to be booked up, especially with their commitment to Gamecock Baseball. Billy G's Carolina Barbecue.com. Carolina barbecue sauce stock to be able to order the sweet heat and the Carolina gold and the secret spice rub and have it dropped off at your doorstep. In addition to the Gamecocks and the Tigers tonight, the other top 25 games, there shouldn't be any issues. Top ranked UConn is on the road at DePaul, who's terrible. Uh, that's at nine o'clock on the VS Sports Network. DePaul has three wins this year. Eighth ranked Tennessee is in. Fayetteville to take on the Hogs of Arkansas. That's a 9 o'clock tip as well. On ESPN2 from Bud Walton Arena, Tennessee is an 8-point. Of course, we did see Vanderbilt at home last night take down Texas but a little bit of a different animal when Tennessee walks in, so we'll, we'll see how it all how it all plays out. Miami and Clemson, this is an important game in the ACC for both. Tigers are uh, really moving on up again. They've they've been on a little bit of a roll. Miami's trying to get into the the real conversation about being in March Madness. So they'll they'll play at 7 on ESPN2. Again, that's a big game uh in the in the ACC and that's kind of uh what's happening elsewhere across college basketball in addition to uh South Carolina. And Auburn tonight on the Plains, and uh, William Anderson, the host of the Late Night Game Show, who's uh, been really working hard this week. He had uh, a Monday night show. He had a Tuesday night show. Now he's on the air with us on a Wednesday. We're going to we're gonna have to up his pay. Uh, we mentioned earlier, Matt, with Eric, that um, it, I, I, this is the third time I've said it in an hour and three minutes. So I guess we'll just keep, keep on keeping on here. The biggest Sounds game good. in college basketball tonight has to do with South Carolina. Yeah, it's something that, you know, I thought the Gamecocks had a chance to, you know, go to the NIT this year. I didn't think the Gamecocks would be playing a top 15 matchup on the road on Valentine's Day um, in my wildest dreams. And I'm the biggest optimist in the world. Um, you know, I always say on my show, I think the Gamecocks are going to win every game in my heart. Um, it doesn't always happen, but this will be a test tonight. Uh, it's going to be a test, but the Gamecocks have been, up to the challenge so far this year. Best example of that with Matt, I got to tell you a story. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not throwing shade at you, buddy, but I want to tell everybody uh, he's not lying. What he says is 2019 Clemson Carolina game. I get a text from Matt 30 minutes before kickoff. I just feel it. Game guys <laughs> are going to upset these guys, man. They're going to upset these guys. Man, they're through the second half. Carolina's starting across the 50, but once <laughs> it's like, oh, well. <laughs> nothing wrong with sometimes you're right man. sometimes you're wrong yeah oh, nothing yeah. wrong with believing man but i uh, I, I distinctly remember that because i i kind of you know for a moment i got behind it uh and it, it actually ruined my dim sum that day because i was going to be you know mr good boyfriend i just moved up here and 
go to dim sum and be late for the game because I didn't think it'd be much of a game. And Matt's words of encouragement made me kind of anxious and, and wanting to get out. So um, anyway, that's a story. But uh, that's yeah, probably I, lucky, I apologize man. for that one, JC. I think I think sometimes I beat off my brother as well. My brother, yeah. I think five minutes before I shot that text off to you, my brother was like, "Dude, we're gonna win." And I was like, that's all I needed to hear. Let's go. Well, and then they stay held him on fourth and one. And everybody's like, and then uh, Halinski's first pass to Shy Smith was about a 21 yarder. And after that, eh, trick play to Kyle, 25 years old, Mark Way, and uh, field goal. And that was about it. <laughs> yeah, about it. I was, was, kind I was of thinking day. about this last night. Um, you know, because Craig said we had Whittle on the show last night. Whittle's always amazing. And just, you know, to have him for an, pretty much an entire hour, I think we went over an hour. And I just shut up, like, just let him talk. Like he, he knows everything, but I was thinking last night, listen to Whittle <clears throat> JC, not only knows like what the final score of every Gamecock football game in existence, but he knows it was 63 degrees that day. Uh, we had a little bit of rain in the morning and kicked off at noon and the stadium was at 63,208 people in attendance. <laughs> it's just amazing. how y'all I love not his own seats, where my seats were 24 yeah. years ago. I, remember it's still, so, I mean, it's yeah. crazy. Carolina football, dude. I, <laughs> yeah. I forgot my Southwest Rapid Rewards number I've had for 20 years at the airport on the way to Vegas. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what I had for breakfast yesterday or lunch. And, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, don't ask me to. I've gotten, gotten really bad at names lately. But uh, those football uh, games are special. Those man, games game are football. Hey, Gamecock Athletics. I remember a good bit of baseball and basketball, too. There's so many of them, but uh, it's special, man. And you only That's get funny. so many of them. In your life. And benchmarks yeah. for guys like us usually are around what happened in sports that particular time in your life. So I totally understand it. I'm going to write a book about that one day, about mm-hmm. life, how life parallels that. Like, you know, here's what's going on in life. Here's what's going on with the Gamecocks. I just have to figure out the structure and how personal I want to get and don't want to name names, stuff like that. Hey, 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 call call me like Maxwell or something. Don't call me Matt. <laughs> I don't want to be in that book. Nah, that's, uh, that's, I think a lot of names. <laughs> there gonna be a lot of, a lot of real names in there. I mean, write it anonymously as uh, John Charles or something. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I, I, you know, it, it, well, Maxwell, the... <laughs> well, now that you've given us your new nickname, Iceman, Maxwell, uh, some breaking news in college football today. Ohio State has fired uh, their head basketball coach, Chris Holtman, just a couple of years removed from – I mean, he, he was in the tournament every year in Columbus except for last year, and then uh, clearly they're not on track to make it this year after last night's loss to Wisconsin. They're 14-11, and 4-10. Uh, so we're – we're seeing the fall stuff trickle into the basketball territory where they're not even letting you get through the season anymore. I'm not sure what this is going to do for Ohio State in the middle of the year, but they have fired him. Lamont Paris is not in jeopardy of being fired at South Carolina. He'll lead his mighty Gamecocks into Neville tonight to take on a top 15 Auburn team. We just spoke to Derek in depth about this, but you're a numbers cruncher. What numbers have surprised you or at least caught your attention pertaining to the Tigers? It just and you've hit on it a couple times, JB, going to last week. Um, they they run out ten guys every single game, and yeah, they only have two in double figures on scoring average on the season. But you know, I, I wanted to look at after you said that. Well, Gamecocks are running out eight guys that are playing mm-hmm. ten plus minutes a game, and Josh Gray is probably creeping up in there, kind of taking some of those um, um, Stephen Clark minutes. 
that Josh Gray is getting. So it's not like the Gamecocks don't have depth themselves. And, you know, I asked this to Alex the other day, you know, I don't care who's on the court for the Gamecocks. There's not a bad shot in Lamont Paris's offense. So as long as they're able to, you know, run their stuff and, and do what they've been doing all year, I'm not that worried about the depth. I think the, the key number for me in this game is 70. It's 70 points. Um, so far this season, the Gamecocks have held 20 of 24 opponents to under 70 points, and the Gamecocks are 16-0 and 0 when scoring 70 points themselves. Um, this is a game that has a lot of you know different tempo associated with it. Auburn's, what, 79 possessions a game. The Gamecocks are, or yeah, 79 or 6. I, let me pull it up. I got it right here. Um, yeah, the Auburn average is 69.9 possessions a game. That's two more than national average. And the Gamecocks are 62.7. So it's going to be a battle of will tonight. Yeah. So the losses are interesting too. So uh, outside of the Baylor loss to open the year for Auburn, they scored under 70 in the App State game and they lost. Um, after that, they scored under 70 one other time. And that was against A&M. They did win the game, holding the Aggies to just 55 points. As Derek pointed out a little while ago, the Tigers' defense is good. But then they went to Starkville and scored under 70, and they lost. And then they just went to the Swamp in the O-Dome and scored under 70, and they lost. So you might be on to something there. Yeah, it's going to – look, JC just rattled off all the – the streaks that are on the line tonight on, on both sides of it. Um, Auburn has their home home winning streak to start the season. Gamecocks are on a seven game winning streak in SEC play themselves. The Gamecocks are ahead by a game in the standings right now in the SEC. And look, there's been nothing that's given me pause about South Carolina's success. I mean, you talk about the Clemson game, the Gamecocks lost by five points, first loss of the season on the road. Well, Colin Murray Boyles just came back the game before. He played like four minutes against George Washington, then played 18 against Clemson. And you're not going to be able to run your offense with a guy who's been practicing for maybe five days before, before you go on the road against a good Clemson team. The Alabama mm -hmm. game, Gamecocks had a lead in the first at the end of the first half. I'm throwing the second half out the window. They have not performed that way this entire season like they did in the second half at Alabama. And then you have the loss to Georgia at home, which became – you know, an unwatchable basketball game the last 10 minutes when both teams were just shooting free throws. So, you know, outside of, you know, what, three games, really, the Gamecocks have pretty much run their offense, and I expect them to do that again tonight and be able to get good opportunities. It's it's just going to be, can they avoid the run? They, they can't afford to go one for 11 from the three-point line like they started the Vanderbilt game <laughs> on the road at Auburn, but Gamecocks right. picked it up in the second half, and let's see if that carries over. It's a tough place to play, though. Well, it's a good point. the The limited possessions number is, is so. This is a very little talked about stat in college basketball, and it's really never been talked about here. It, it Carolina. Uh, if it has, it's been in passing, but it's not something that JC's written about. It's not something that Whittle's written about. It's not something that Alex Jones has written about. You could pretty much pick any other writer that covers Gamecock basketball, and no, nobody's really talked about this. Uh, until the last until the last few weeks, because I mean the 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 results speak f speak to the stat guys. Like Derek just mentioned a minute ago, and I agree with him uh, that 
the last two games, the shooting percentage has been a, probably a little bit higher than you'd like it to be. Both opponents have found some similar seams of being able to hit some mid-range shots, get some get some things to fall. I mean, they've they've shot it well, really, quite frankly, against uh, South Carolina. But they hadn't scored any more points than all the other guys. Have y'all noticed that? So, like, if you're shooting it better than the other guy, and you're scoring the same amount of points, what's the magic potion? And it's it's that limited possession. So you get to a point where literally unless a team goes off and they're hitting 65 70% from the floor, Matt, then you know, you kind of know where your baseline's going to be like, look, just based on possessions alone and if we just do what we do, this team tonight, regardless of how good they are unless we just totally fall apart, is probably going to score somewhere between about 62 and 70 points. So how yeah. do we get there? Because how do we care? Because you can, mathematically, it isn't possible for them to score anymore based on the number of possessions that they're going to have. I, I think you're 100 percent right there, uh, JB. And the thing that doesn't get talked up talked about enough, and I brought it up on my show on this show, and we've talked about it here, but I don't. I'm not seeing it, you know, national, you know, type media stuff. But you know, how many times this season? I asked Alex this question because he's at every game. He knows, but. How many times a game do you see the opposing team against South Carolina take a shot with less than five seconds on the shot clock? It, it feels like it happens five or six times a game. And on the flip side, it seems like the Gamecocks take a shot with five or six seconds left on the shot clock. And more often than not, it's Talon Cooper, who's 45% from three, hitting a dagger that crushes the other team's soul. It's or in the air forever. The other day, <laughs> they did like threes go up and never come down. I was yeah. looking at the shot yeah. clock. I was like, "Hey, it's time to shoot, guys!" And uh, <laughs> literally in like in like a second and a half, they made two extra passes. I think threw it under to to either CMB or um, maybe it's Josh Gray for a dunk or something. It was it was beautiful, absolutely yeah. beautiful uh, team basketball. So yeah, it's uh, a lot of times when you're watching that shot clock and all that, I've become accustomed to it. And hey, if they weren't winning, it would drive people crazy, right? But well, it's, it's funny you say that, JC, because I have a buddy that bets a good bit of college basketball. Like, you know, he can afford it. Like, he's not blowing his money, all that kind of stuff. But he was watching the end of the Ole Miss-South Carolina game, and he had been blindly betting on South Carolina all season because he said it had been you know, pretty daggum profitable. And he was like, does South Carolina always just dribble the ball for 30 seconds? And I was like, yeah, man, this is your first time watching, isn't it? And he was like, I don't care. I just hate they didn't cover the spread because it was three and a half and the Gamecocks won by three. <laughs> yeah. But that's what's that interesting. Is like, is they, they force other teams into going deep into their shot clock. And you can tell when it gets under 10, some of these teams just kind of panic, right? Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. They're throwing up bad shots. They're getting bad looks. This Gamecock team, I don't think they even like recognize they can throw the ball towards the hoop. <laughs> before it gets under 10 and they handle it with such poise and control is like you just said jc it was like it's getting deep into it they make two more passes because and it, it plays in it plays well into their game too because you can also see defensively when these teams are trying to guard them the expectation that the defense has is that okay they're about to throw up a shot like and we yeah. just need to you know stand pat and and the defense relaxes for just a second or two enough for yeah, Cooper to be open, you know, to, to throw one up from beyond the arc on the wing or 
you know, kick it outside to somebody and then right back inside because the defense is drifting towards the outside shooter because it's, you know, logically time to shoot the ball. But no, the Gamecocks, no panic. Yep, three seconds left, get it inside and CMB or BJ Matt, just throw it right in. And yeah, as a player, you go that long to guarding, you know, playing defense and you put that much into it because it, it takes a long, I mean, it, it takes a lot out of you to guard like that. Yeah. And then uh, they just make an extra pass with a two second. You expect them to throw up a wild shot, they make an extra pass, and then you get dunked on. <laughs> That's worse than somebody stealing the ball coming down the court and dunking on you oh, yeah. because you, you're JC, dying to slow down. I mean, it's, it's past it's that. The game, the game, well, the Gamecocks have the, they're the 42nd best offensive rebounding team in the country. And you know why that is because the defense is sick and tired of chasing them around for 30 seconds. And that ball comes off the rim and those Gamecocks, and it's happened so many times this year on offense and defense, but especially offense, a tip out and the other team's back is turned. They're running down the court because it was a missed shot and they're ready to go score. And Gamecocks, they out hustle people. They box out. How many times have you seen a ball just hit the ground with three Gamecocks around it? A lot. Right. Well, I, and I think, you know, so <clears throat> there's actually some similarities in these in both in these two programs that are going to match up tonight because, you know, Auburn, I mean, there, there's clear differences. You know, don't miss don't misinterpret what I'm trying to say here. But but as Derek pointed out, you know, they play a they play a swift brand of defense. They are physical. Um, you know, they 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 do want to get their hands in there and things like that. They want to interrupt the passing lanes. They want to do all those things that you really want to be able to successfully do in college basketball if you can get a team to buying into doing that. Uh, one of the things I think that's really going to counter what Carolina has done well this year, which is everything we've just been been explaining, but is the stat I mentioned earlier with Derek and the fact that there are 10 guys that act between 14 and 24 minutes for Auburn. That's it. So, like, you're going to have, you know, we, we we commonly see when you get into the second half, maybe 30 minutes into the ball game, and you start to wind things down, that that other that other group over there is tired of bending their knees and playing basketball for 30 seconds on the defensive end, right? And uh, on the offensive end, it's, it's not as big of an issue, but by the time they get there, they're just slap worn out because that Carolina offense is just so methodical. But this, this group here, that's not going to happen to Auburn. It's just not. They're going to play so many guys, so many minutes, that at the end of the game, they're not going to be worn out. If they are, if they're just slap worn out, um, and I don't, I, I think we're all really, really undervaluing how good South Carolina is because you don't just wear out Auburn. I, I will say this you know, you don't want to let them just get out and run away. You know, Auburn is looking down there and throw 16 alley oops and put you on a poster and, and try to embarrass you. Um, so I, I think that that's going to be a big key tonight for Carolina, you know, making sure that as Derek pointed out that they're, they're buttoned up, you know, they're not throwing it away a bunch, you know, they're, they're managing the game. Talana's managing the game and, 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 and running this thing down and, and Matt to, to kind of toss it back into your court here. If you've got guys averaging 14 and 24 points per game, minutes per game, sorry, 10 guys averaging between 14 and 24 minutes per game then you want to keep them on the floor as long as you can before the whistle's, whistle's blown. So I don't know how the game's going to be officiated, but if South Carolina can find a way to continue to let the let, let it play out and not have a bunch of whistles being blown, there's a bunch of timeouts and then and the other, that, that'll probably help them. 
Yeah, I think one of the things I've been thinking about this game in particular, you know, Bruce Pearl is kind of known for up-tempo, man-to-man defense. I would not be surprised to see Bruce Pearl go to his zone defense tonight. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to start the game in zone, but I think that, Agreed. you know, he's going to see how the how the tempo is going, you know, starting the game, where his team is, maybe at that first media timeout. And do not be surprised if the Gamecocks are up 11-6 to six or something like that. And then Bruce Pearl said, look, I'm going to force you guys to, to make your threes. I'm going to force you to, to move the ball into the center of the paint. I'm going to rotate guys. We're going to be active defensively. But I, I've been thinking about that for a while today. Like, how will the Gamecocks react to that? Because Gamecocks haven't seen that much zone this year. You're just thinking back on the games. And one of the reasons is because they're so active and they move and they get the ball to the center of the paint so frequently. It's really hard to zone them up. But if... You know, I mean, I, I know that, you know, I was listening to Derek, you know, about 20 minutes before I hopped on here and he talked about, you know, BJ Mack hitting, you know, four five, six threes. I don't care who hits them tonight, but the Gamecocks are going to have to hit nine to 11 threes, in my opinion, to win this uh, game. And it can't start you. slow. Let's just put 10. Yeah. I mean, let, let, let Michi hit them all from 40 feet and just break their souls. Like, that's fine. Well, this is this. Is, <laughs> this is the game. This is the this fits Michi. Yeah, it's a Michi game. This game fits him. Absolutely. 100%. Like I I'm saying that he it it'll be a big night, but I I could I could absolutely see Michi Johnson finishing with five or six threes. You know, he one thing I, I tell you what, it's 12:22. We got to hit a timeout. I, I let's circle back to Michi Johnson because I've got a question to ask you uh with your you know, with your basketball expertise. All right, Ice man. Um, we are powered by electric bikes in Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com. As we tell you all the time, they're Gamecock owned and operated. They've got the coolest owners ever, ever. They're the best people on the planet. The Wilkins are the best people on the planet and you don't have to live in the low country to purchase something from them. Electricbikescharleston.com, charlestonfitnessequipment.com. If you want to look like Monty Lee or Houston, you know, really. You know, it looks like they wear shirts that are too small for themselves, but they're really not. They're just normal shirts, but their muscles are so big, so it just looks like that. They can't help it. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Hang tight. More with Iceman when we return. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned and operated. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. 
Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecocks great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend, a career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres. Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you diagnose your swing and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call them at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soups Swing Shop. Play ball. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. And we welcome you to Founders Park. It's time for baseball, folks. Has he done it twice? Yes, he has. Now keeps the left. Taylor to the wall. It's gone. Back to back home runs for South Carolina. There's a high drive. That ball is tagged. That ball is way, way, way out of here. A grand slam home run for Ethan Pippi. What else can this young man do, Derek? My goodness, that ball was killed. Be loud. There's no doubt about that. Bring your voices to the Capitol City this weekend. Carolina baseball is back at 4 o'clock on Friday from Founders Park again on Saturday and Sunday. And then, oh, yeah. LSU comes to town Saturday and Georgia comes to town. The, 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 uh, 
the weekly which team's going to get their ass beat by Don Staley's ladies ball game uh, happens uh, Sunday at one o'clock on uh, national television. College game day in town for that. All right, so uh, want to get uh, <clears throat> won't spend long on this, but want to go back to Meach real quick. So clearly, you know, he's not you know the guy that he was earlier in the year where he was you know firing him from all over the place, knocking him all down. He had a nice stretch run there. We know what his range is. I, I had somebody mention a couple of days ago that he's been, you know, taking a lot of 35-footers and they just aren't falling. Matt, I, I think he's more comfortable shooting them out there than he is from right behind the three-point line. Like, it, it for reason, I, I feel like it's not a higher percentage shot, but mentally he sees it as one. And so I think I, I, I'm just this is just speculation, just purely speculation. That Lamont is like, if you see, and I don't care if it's at 35 feet, try to knock it down. I feel like that's the three-point shot that's going to get him more back into the flow than the one that's just right behind the line. Yeah, and it it's a good point, I think, JB. And it's a point that, you know, as you've seen Michi these past couple weeks, and let's just be honest, it's been weeks now where he's been more of a facilitator than he has mm-hmm. been a scorer. Um, Lamont talked about it in his press conference after Vanderbilt and said, we rely on Michi to do this because everyone has him labeled as a scorer, but he's 3.2 seconds down the court and making four decisions in the process of, you know, sprinting because he plays so freaking fast. But I do think that there's something to be said for that 25 to 30 foot three that lets him get the room he needs to get his shot off because he's not the tallest guy in the world. But it's also something he's practiced. I mean, we're seeing this in not just high school and the grassroots, but even younger kids are able to shoot the basketball from further away now than ever before. And, you know, for I don't know what JC averaged from 30 feet away, his uh, junior high league (laughs) season, but it's a good shot. It's a good shot for Michi. Uh, I, I never get upset when he takes that shot because sometimes the rim just looks bigger than it actually is. And all these guys have the ability to fire when they're open. And if he's open, Lamont's going to be happy with that shot. So I got a stat for y'all. And we talk about the uh, assist to turnover ratio for Talon Cooper all the time. We should. I think Talon is <clears throat> I think Talon is one of the most undervalued slash best point guards in the country because he's the point guard for one of the best teams in the country. But that's for another day. During the seven-game winning streak, Anybody want to guess how many assists to turnovers are on Michi Johnson's stat line? I'm going to say three and a half to one. I, I would 31 assists, six turnovers. <laughs> so it's over six to one. Wow. That's, I would have thought turnovers have been a little higher. But... Oh, wow. He, he, went, he went three ga- he went three games without a turnover. Missouri, Tennessee, and Georgia didn't turn ball over. You, you, you talk all the time in football about impacting the game, and it doesn't show up in the, show up in the stat sheet. He's been impacting the games, uh, you know, and, and I think uh, I think Paris is right. You know, everybody kind of looks at him as a scorer, can't get let him score, score, score. But when you focus so hard on him, it leaves guys wide open, right, and uh, allows him to distribute it better. So. Well, and, and JB, to your to your point earlier, you know, talking about okay, we need 
65 points to win this game today. You know, go back to when the Gamecocks started the season. I don't have these numbers. I just thought about this. But, you know, when Michi was scoring points and, you know, scoring 18 to 30 a game, whatever it was to start the season, it'd be really interesting to look, especially the last seven games, how many points he's been attributed to, whether it's, you know, scoring himself or a pass. And I bet it's pretty daggum similar. Yeah, it's, this team probably leads the league in hockey style scoring, right? I mean, you're given points for assists and points for points. I, I mean, it's there. It's it's that it's this is one of the things that I find astounding about this team is they have remained unselfish, right? Even when it looks like you know somebody's having a hot night or whatever, it's not like they're continuing to feed the guy, obviously, and things like that until he just gets cold and then it's somebody else's turn. Um, even the guy who knows he's got the hot hand is looking for the extra pass. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. Yep. It's, it's some of the most disciplined basketball I think I've ever watched. And coach Paris, you know, kind of talked about that after the Ole Miss game. And he said, look, sometimes BJ is going to be off, but he might not be off in the five minute stretch. We need him to be owned. So right. keep firing it up. And as long as you instill that confidence in every player on the roster, the shot's going to go in more often than not when you need it. Yeah, we've got a big problem here, guys. We've we got to we got to figure out what to do. Um, we've got hope in the chat box today. I see, it. <laughs> and y'all know me; I'm not a big chat box guy. But hope is my favorite of all favorites. No disrespect to the rest of you gentlemen. Uh, and and but and, uh, hope is the most positive person on the planet. And I'm going to quote her. Just can't see a win in that arena. Hope, hey, you're, you, this is this is a crushing blow here at twelve thirty. It's, okay. it's all right. This is the you know, we we got to get you go. Somebody find her, get her some coffee, and uh, and and it is Valentine's Day. Give Sweet Hope a hug. We this is this is not good for the for what's coming tonight. Hey, Hope, if you need some chicken cock or you need some Dixie vodka, let us know. We'll get a yeah, shit yeah, your way. She's Let's not a good mood. She's not a drinker. She's not a oh, drinker. Yeah. We, we got to get her some Billy G's or something and give her a big Valentine's Day hug, Hope. We, we, we can't have you doing this eight hours until they tip off. When I love it, Hope wears her emotions on her sleeve during the game, too, and just like it, it, the live tweets from Hope are, are just great. It was like, oh, we can't, what are we doing? We can't do this. We can't do, you know, you feel like she's in your in your, uh, <laughs> your living room with you, just lamenting and celebrating at the same time. <laughs> oh, man. That's oh, well, Hope, here you go. Here, here's some hope for you. Um, let's see. Let's see the Gamecocks win tonight, and let's see if me and Phil hop on here for an instant reaction. Because I hope you're there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that would. Um, cool. That's going to be that late. It's a late. That would bring. Yeah, and I got. I got a. <laughs> got eleven with all of a strep throat. So we'll see. We'll see. Oh, so you'll be up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, JC, you you gotta you gotta do some investigating. You gotta find get get an email or something or a home address for Hope. We got time. I can go up there and. Give her a quick um, Valentine's Day hug. We got to get her back on board before they get <laughs> rolling tonight in, in the Yellowhammer state of Alabama. Not good. Not good. It's tough to win down there. It's a tough arena. Uh, I thought, I thought, oh, like, God, not you too. Here we go. <laughs> I, I thought the camera. Oh, you don't want me to, you don't want me to pee on the parade because I've got, oh. 
Oh, I'm, we know how you do I, that. I was about to pee on the. I mean, I, 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 Ohio State opened today, so I'm about. That was a. I won't even talk about it. Well, hey, if, you, if y'all want to get to it, black cloud graphic for just such an occasion. There is there it there it in a hair on my in, in my soul, a, a thread of my soul that is going to entertain the conversation of Lamont Paris to Ohio State when the guy got fired 20 minutes ago. I didn't want to bring it up. I'm not going to bring it up. I just Yeah, we're not having that conversation. That's that's not even a conversation. I don't Okay. I'm not bringing it up. I didn't bring it up. I said I'm not going to pee on the parade there. I mean, the game tonight's going to be a challenge. I I think that, you know, like I said earlier, these teams that, you know, are on paper, they have all these players or whatever and everybody and, and, and folks – yeah, I've read all the previews and everybody's like, oh, well, no, no, South Carolina's not going to sneak up on anybody now. Well, hell, they beat Kentucky by 17. Do you really think they snuck up on Rick Barnes' team? Do you really think they snuck up on Georgia uh, on the road? Do you really think they snuck I mean, I, I snuck up on Ole Miss? I mean, I, uh, I don't know. Somebody uh, also said, well, this team's peaked uh, too early. Well, when did they actually peak? I mean, because – Last I checked, they started what two and two in the league with a home loss to Georgia and a blowout loss to Alabama. So, it was the peak Kentucky? No, they they followed that up by winning at Tennessee. Uh, so it was the peak at Tennessee. Well, now they, they beat Ole Miss. I know that game ended up being close, but they beat them pretty good. Then went then handled Vandy and they've won on the road. I mean, I yeah, I, I don't know that they have peaked when you kind of look at individual performances, especially scoring wise. So. Yeah. So, so I, my point is, and I, I think that narrative about South Carolina plays in the Gamecocks' favor because, you know, you know, kids these days. I mean, I think A and M is a good example of this, to where as good as coaches as Buzz is, I said it earlier. They don't get up for. I mean, they get up for the names on the jerseys, but they didn't get up for Vandy. They didn't get up for LSU. I mean, you know, they. they I mean, and I think I think with players like that these days, it's. Um, you know, it it does still matter, and if and if you have one of those names on your jersey that maybe doesn't get the respect, and you play like the Gamecocks play, you, you can get in in some of these teams' head, home or away. Think about the Tennessee crowd too. That was a big crowd. It's a loud place where they they tried to get going so many times, couldn't. They're not right on top of you like at Auburn, but uh, in my opinion, I think uh, you know I think there's a lot that that sets up well for the Gamecocks. It's just you know, and, and I'm not I'm not going to worry about it if they lose tonight. I, I worry about kind of maybe some of the the here we go again reaction. Uh, have they done enough already to where the fan base isn't jumping off the ledges uh, if they lose? And and you know maybe they will lose by 20. And I'll I'll remind everybody Auburn lost by 20 at Florida on Saturday. So you know they they they're capable of taking an L like everybody else in this league. Uh, but you, you know they're a game up on everybody but Bama. And you just got to keep battling. I mean, there's uh, six more games after this, but uh, no, nah, I'm not. Uh, I, I'm. I, I don't. I, I wouldn't call myself confident about the game, but I definitely think there's some, you know, s- some things in there that are in the Gamecocks' favor uh, if they go out and play well, knock down shots, that kind of thing. Well, and JC, I'll, I'll tell you, I know that JV, and we we got to hit a break here in a second. I'm sure. Uh, a couple things on that. 
you know, Alabama stand, Alabama fans, I almost said Alabama stands. There's a lot of stands out there for Alabama, but um, Alabama fans still melt down every loss. So if you're, if you're ever banking on Gamecock fans, not melting down, uh, it's not going to happen. Um, but another thing I wanted to bring up really quickly, yeah. you know, you, you've seen South Carolina dismantle Kentucky and John Calipari said in the post game, maybe they just showed the formula for everybody else. And look where Kentucky is right now. Same thing for Tennessee. Tennessee just got throttled by Texas A&M and hasn't been as dominant as they might have been earlier in the season. There's a lot that South Carolina, especially this basketball team, seems seems to uncover in their pregame work that makes it difficult for the other the other team. So regardless of what happens tonight, regardless of what happens in South Carolina, the next six games after this, or on the flip side, Auburn, after this, South Carolina might have a say in in Auburn's rest of the season. Yeah, I I, I think I think you're onto something. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Is anybody aware of? Is anybody aware of the highest point total by an opponent this season versus versus the Gamecocks? Anybody have that stat in front of them? I've got it. it. I'm just curious. To if know you got it. Then let's hear it. But I mean. Let's, let's take a stab at it. Uh, you, gosh, what did Mad Dog say? Was it the 74 that Alabama put up? No. Oh, gosh. I'm trying to think about it now. Go way back. Virginia, Virginia is a, a lot. Oh, 77. 77. JC's got Tech. it. JC's got it. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Game two. Game two. Virginia Tech. That's exactly right. 77. So think about, think about this. In wins and in losses. In wins and in losses. Really has just been a matter of possessions. If you really think about it, I mean, not clearly outside of a couple of games here, but even the three losses for, for Carolina this year, how many did they give up at Clemson? 72. It's not like they went and got the doors blown off of them. Alabama blew the door off of them because they couldn't hit open shots, not because Alabama ran up down the floor and scored 90 points. Alabama scored 74. That's it. That's a low. That's that's That was 15 points under their season average. Georgia scored 74 points. All of these other games that Carolina's won, they gave up 68 to DePaul, 68 to Grand Canyon. Uh, no name. They were excellent that night, only 53. 67 to George Washington, 62 to East Carolina, 69, 62, 62, 62, 69, 64, 62, 64, 59, 62, 65, 60. This is, I said something earlier, and you just said it again, Matt, Like, but you just said it in a different way. There, there is a magic formula. It's, you know, clearly some things that they do in the game, but obviously limiting possessions and how they, you know, move the basketball, facilitate it, and it's beating good teams, right? It's beating tennis. I'm not saying it's going to win tonight. It might. I hope it does. I'm not going to go as far as hope is going to say that they just don't have a chance. Poor old hope. I mean, <laughs> Poor but hope. Like, He's never going to live that one down. No, I'm not. I'm not letting her off the hook on this. I mean, so to your point, like everybody has a brand. Well, not everybody has a brand of basketball, but everybody has a style in which they play in that seat. And um, I think that since Carolina played T Kentucky, and since they played Tennessee, and even some of these other teams that they've defeated that just aren't as high profile, you know, Mississippi State and so on and so forth. They have shown some things. Even in the loss to Alabama, it scored 47 points. It's not because Alabama just hauled ass up and down the floor and just couldn't stop draining them all. That's not what happened. 
So like they, they do expose you. And if you are a good enough in a disciplined enough basketball team to be able to adopt a lot of what these Gamecocks do into your game plan against these opponents, you can have success against them too. I, I think you're right. I think you're something there. I, I do if, peeled the curtain back or pulled the curtain back on some things uh, that maybe just weren't out there until Carolina walked across schedules. The, the number is 70. That's the number tonight. Um, if, if somehow Auburn finds a way to get to 70 with five minutes left, I don't think the Gamecocks are going to win. If it's a 63 to 61 game at five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Gamecocks are probably going to walk away with a W there. That's a good, that's a good one. I'm kind of feeling a Virginia Tech style game tonight where Well, they better hit their threes. <laughs> well, yeah, Carolina's had some games like that. They've been stringy. That, yeah. that that Virginia Tech game was almost very complete three point. Miles Studi went off uh from the outside. So um Studi. You start drilling them. I mean, the three point field goal is a great equalizer. Uh, you know, and Auburn's got the advantage inside, but kind of like Derek said earlier today, Mac hits from outside, Studi hits from outside. They have to start coming out and guarding. And it's a lot of open space for the young freshman to get loose. And like I said, I don't, I don't think he's going to have some sort of freshman moment tonight. I, I, that kid gets better literally by the minute every game he's in. You know, and, and I said Dude. it before. Sometimes you hear from preseason coaches, oh, this guy's going to be really good. Uh, and then you'll talk to other people. Maybe he's not. Uh, it's it's just uh, different opinions about different players. But whenever you hear like it universally said, you need to listen. Like guys like J.C. Horn in football. Well, that's the way it, it's been with um, Murray Bulls. And even go back to the Odom era, you heard things like that about, believe it or not, Carlos Powell before his freshman year. And, and mm-hmm. kind of unexpectedly. So, you know, yeah. I – I think that's uh you know, don't count just because you got broom and the other dude, the what's his name, Lindsay or whatever, the two hundred forty five pound guy down down low. Don't don't oh, uh, Jalen, yeah. Jalen, Jalen, yeah. Don't count um uh, don't count old CMB out, man. And he's doing some things that are just kind of freaky and uh don't count him out. Shh, man, he's you're right. You're right, Jason. I mean, so, at some point in time, I mean that's he's just become a dude. He's just become a dude. You know, he's he snatches it when he's down there. He's always in position to rebound. He's got unbelievable hands. I mean, his hand-eye coordination is uh, out of this world. He'd probably be a heck of a baseball player if he wanted to play. I mean, he, he's he's got those little things that you you, know, you just can't teach a lot of that. I mean, you do. You, you coach it and you, you refine it and you sharpen the tools and the whole nine yards. But a lot of that's just instinct. Just understand where to be on the floor and – seeing the ball come out of the hand and understanding where you need to be to rebound and those type of things. Just call that. I mean, it's, it's nuts, man. All right, so let's let's step aside real quick. Um, Matt, when we come back to wrap up the basketball conversation with you, how long has it been since South Carolina has walked into a regular season game with so much on the line? Could be, Could be a while. Uh, so chew on that for a couple of minutes and we'll let Iceman take us home here during the lunch hour on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. 
Mike here for one of the better dining options in the capital city. You know, when I first moved there, I asked people around the radio station, where are the best wings? Well, the consensus was D's Wings. That was then. Today, they still have the best wings, but it's so much more. Now in their new location at 415 Meeting Street in West Columbia. Yeah, they get voted the best wings on a routine basis. Yes, they get voted the best sports bar on a routine basis, but they're not just about wings, and really, they're not just a sports bar. It is a family-run local restaurant and bar with 20 TVs and 25 beers on tap. And how about these daily specials? Every Monday night at D's, you've got 75-cent wings from 4 until closing. Tacos on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, 18 wings and a pitcher of beer for 29 bucks. You've also got ribs and oyster bucket specials on Thursday. And no matter how big the party is, 20 or more, no problem. Just call ahead of time and they'll take terrific care of you. They'll do takeout as well. And guess what? A human will answer the phone and take the order. Billy and his staff do an outstanding job. Check out D's. 415 Meeting Street in West Columbia. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Touchdown, Brewer. Set up a screen and it goes to Brewer. 20, 15, 10. Pitches it to Brewer, turns to Cody, touchdown, number three of the afternoon. Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does for everybody else. Whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience, and service second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise and it's done on time and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence. The website is ryanbrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today.
Served by Chicken Cock, Chicken Cock Bourbon. You can find it in the Chief Sports mm-hmm. app. <clears throat> Make sure you download it. The Chief Sports app. It's free. If you're watching or listening for the first time, welcome. Hope's not always this negative. I promise you. Chief Sports app. Download it and uh, get your uh, get, get your get your get your <clears throat> liquor cabinet right with some Chicken Cock Bourbon and some Dixie Vodka. So when's the when's the last time they walked into a regular season game with this much on the lines uh, it's got to be rup in 97 for a chance to win the sec i mean that that's the answer um yeah it's when you when you say regular season that's that's the only answer the gamecocks just haven't been relevant to that point um in a while i mean maybe you can talk about you know the 2016 season the gamecocks got snubbed and they lost that game to georgia the last regular season game of the season that probably would have put them on the right side of the bubble. But when you're talking about a game of this magnitude, you know, potentially being a two, three seed in the NCAA tournament, winning the SEC, this is it. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. Maybe. Cause there were a lot of, a lot of those Frank years where I guess we, everybody wasn't like fired up about it. In fact, uh, you know, I could I could write a pretty good criticism of the fan base over it because he had a lot of bubble teams and some home games that you know two thousand people showed up for and and you know but they were on paper big games at this point in the year because had Carolina won them they may have, have gone on the right side of the bubble you know but when you mention that when you talk about the SEC championship. That's uh, that's different, Matt. You know, that's uh, yeah. it's just remain. They haven't been in the hunt this late uh, since 1998. Um, and that year, '97, uh, of course, they won it. But '98, they um, they kind of they stumbled a little bit down the stretch uh, that year. Uh, finished second in the East, fourth overall. Ended up being the runners up in the tournament, but uh, tied with Arkansas for fourth. But you know, that team lost a road game to Tennessee that they probably shouldn't have, uh, lost at Arkansas, and then had a home game. You know, that that home game with Kentucky that last weekend that year would not have won it for them, but would have given them probably second place in in the in the conference, but uh, or, or tied for second. But I mean, that's second place, man. We're still we're talking about first and we're talking about them being the 11th ranked team in the country uh, at that point. South Carolina, the last time they were ranked as high as 11th, and I'm talking regular season because, uh, of course, they come out with that poll after the Final Four, and I think the Gamecocks were in the top 10 then. But uh, January 3rd, 1998, at Ole Miss, the Gamecocks came in 11th, and they went down by night. They lost by by 19, never got above 13 for the rest of the season. Of course, they were a three seed in the tournament and went out in the first round. So that year they were ranked uh, as high as fifth. Uh, they were number five when they went up to Clemson and lost and, you know, ended up hung out in that 10, 11, 15, 16 range. Uh, so 11th is, is high. I mean, that's, that's, you're kind of, you're getting up there, <laughs> you know, when you get to 11th. So. Yeah, JB, I got a question for you real quick. I mean, if you want to go way back in history like JC and I just did, I mean, was it the Tennessee game this year? <laughs> you just beat Kentucky. Now you're going on the road against a top 10 team. And 
is this your national like arrival party? And that made it so big. Yeah. You mean like, are, are you asking, was the Tennessee game the last time? Is that what yeah, that's what I'm asking. Like the biggest game yeah. in regular season. Because, because they beat Kentucky. Well, I mean, I, I, no, I don't think so because they, at that point in time, had only played, they were only five and two in the league. And I'm not, I mean, we weren't talking about winning an SEC championship going into that Tennessee game. Yeah. I think that, I think the general belief was still that they had upset Kentucky at home. But if you put some context behind it, you know, while that was a surprising upset to the rest of the country, I mean, was it really that surprising to everybody around here? Like they have been beating Kentucky uh, for a while. I mean, I think they're now what five and five or, or they're six and no, they're six and four in their last 10 games versus the Wildcats at home, I think. And I'm pretty sure they're like four and three or something in their last seven overall or something. I mean, it's, it, it's a, yeah, it's a good three. record. Yeah. They're, they're not many teams that John Calipari might have a losing record to in the SEC and South Carolina might be one of them. Oh, yeah. no, no doubt. You, there's no doubt. I think you could make the argument, the argument that, that Florida and South Carolina have been the thorns for John Calipari since he's been, he, since he's been in, in, in uh big blue nation. I, 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 so I agree with JC. I, I, I think, if you go to the 16-17 season, the year they went to the Final Four, if, if y'all re, if y'all remember, this is the only thing I can really, in recent memory, put put a comp to it. They they opened DC play five and zero. Now there are a couple things here, a couple little nuggets here. Number one, they had lost to Clemson in the in the non-con. Of course, Carolina lost to Clemson this year, but they had also lost in the non-con that year. Remember, they went to Memphis and got beat. And then mm-hmm. remember when they lost to Seton Hall and Seton Hall was, you know, they were okay, but they weren't a, that was not a really a good loss. That was, that was that one, that was that, was that right? That was the Frank loss, you know, where you're like, well, I, I don't know. I, I think don't know. They were, Sedaris is out and, and Seton Hall was a tournament team. They got sent to Greenville and played Arkansas and as a nine. Yeah, so it wasn't terrible. Right. But it, but it was, no, yeah. I, I, but at the time it, it wasn't, that's not the way that game was viewed when they lost mm, that game at the no, time. No, no, it wasn't good. Like, we're, no, we're, they were we're supposed about to. The finished product seat and all, not the seat and all team that the Gamecocks ran into in December. Now, you know there there were two different versions of, 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 of you could describe Seton Hall in that year. So um, here's my point: they were 15 and three going into Lexington, five and zero in the league, and they just beaten an upset 19th ranked Florida at the slate. Do y'all remember that? Yeah, I remember that. And then they went to Lexington, and and you began to have the the converse because we knew what happened in sixteen. I mean, they they finished the year with twenty six wins or five wins or whatever it was, and they were off to an outstanding start. They were fifteen and three. They were undefeated in the league. There was some belief. There was some belief that if you could go to Rome, knock them off, that you might have a championship contending team here in Columbia this year under Frank. And. I mean, JC, you own you own the big spur then. I'm sure you you know you remember all that well. And but they went up there and they got beat by like 16 or 17 points, strung together. And then of course, really kind of actually kind of towards the end of the year, but ultimately ended up final four. So yeah. my point is, I, I'm with JC. I, I go back to '97 because of how deep we are in the SEC schedule right now, and the fact that this team is ranked 
knocking on the door, the top 10, like the whole country's watching the game and they're all going to be watching it tonight. I can't remember where the whole country was watching almost a a top 10 ranked South Carolina team uh, anytime between now and 1997-98. Yeah, you go back to that 2017 game or season after they lost to Kentucky, rattled off um, four wins in a row and they had the four overtime game against Alabama. Uh, For my money, Sendarius... Yeah, I talked about Talon against Kentucky and just really, you know, setting the stage. I don't know if like is that Sendarius game one of the best, hardest fault individual performances you've ever seen for a Gamecock, even ever. in a loss? You're talking about the Bama game? Yeah, he had 44 yeah, the, in uh, Bama game recently something. And he had 44 and he had like 21 or 22 rebounds, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll yeah. look it up. Yeah, it was it was Philly. Yeah, 21 um, rebounds. He took 33 shots that night. Almost willed the Gamecocks to a four-overtime victory. That was, yeah. a, that was a crazy game, man. Al- that was when Alabama started – Avery Johnson was their coach. Alabama started owning South Carolina because they beat the Gamecocks in the first round of the in Nashville, too, that year. Yeah, well, sorry. Darius had 33 free-throw attempts that game. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. 33 free throw. I just pulled it up, and he was just one of seven from long range, 9 of 25 from the floor. Carolina attempted 88 shots that night, boys. There yeah, was I 83 mean, combined free throws, four overtimes there. That's a crazy they, – and they. I remember them going to Mississippi State uh, and winning uh, that next that next game. That was a critical win because they, all, they ended up losing three in a row. Right? I mean, people don't remember this. They lost to Arkansas at home. They lost to Vanderbilt for some reason. Dropped out of the top twenty-five. Got beaten by fifteen at Florida. Rallied and beat Tennessee badly. Uh, Barnes didn't. I think it was Barnes' first or second year. Didn't have it going then. Then uh, close one against Mississippi State. Lost at the end of the year at Ole Miss. There was a lot of talk. Oh, they're going to get screwed again. And then lost to Bama, but they were safely in and. You know, then they were a different team at the tournament, obviously. But that's uh, – I was actually thinking about that because South Carolina has had teams through the year. I mean, I said, well, what if this team, you know, isn't – you know, what if they do go 500 down the stretch? Does that constitute a slump or what? And does it matter once you get to March Madness? No, it doesn't because that's – I'll tell you uh, where it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter in the net because they keep every game the same. Every game has the same weight. So. Well, the Nets, uh, I don't know what uh, – I guess it's efficiency, strength of schedule, something that's keeping them back in the net. But the, the when you look at Lenardi and those guys, they've got – well, sources, you know, to be honest with you. It does not seem to me like a lower net is going to hurt the Gamecocks in terms of getting a uh, a high-end seed if they keep winning. So that's, that's fine. I mean, it's uh, – I don't understand because, like, Houston's a defensive-minded team. Wisconsin's a defensive-minded team, and they're, like, 20 points ahead in the net. My guess is it's strength of schedule. Uh, the non-cons dragging them down a little bit, but um, I don't know. Well, I think Wisconsin's actually, like, 10-8 and eight in quad one games this year. It's it's a ridiculous – it would be really interesting to see how they get seeded this year, Wisconsin, since you brought them up. Uh, it's going to be weird because they don't really have the high-quality quad one games that they've won, mm-hmm. but they do have – a ridiculous quad one and quad two win total. Now they're 10 and eight. So when they're winning what 55% of their games in quad one game talks yeah. are at eight and two, 80%. You tell me who you think is better. I know who I think is better, but, yeah. but yeah, 
heading into the final four, the NCAA tournament, the final four year, Carolina had dropped six of nine. Yeah. And yeah. I remember the first half against Marquette, they were down by a point. All of a sudden, that second half came around, and then yeah. that dude game second half was magical, and away we go. But uh, yeah, and sometimes I look, I've seen teams sneak in the tournament, like uh, uh, go to Dayton, like a Syracuse will go to Dayton, they end up in the final four. Yeah, uh, it, it's weird. But, um, you know, I, I think right now there is some hardware to chase in the regular season through the Gamecocks. And then I think when they go to Nashville, which has been a house of horrors for this program, there's some hardware to chase there. And then you worry about the big dance when you get there. We got to go. Uh, we are long past due for a break here. It's 103. Uh, Matt, we'll send you on your way, my man. Best of luck. Uh, I, I know you got some personal things going on today. We'll be thinking about you and your family. Thanks for all you do. I really appreciate it. We'll see about a live show tonight, but I'll talk to y'all soon. Bye, guys. Thanks, Matt. Matt Anderson. Matty Ice. Of the Late Night Gamecock Show. Time out. We'll be right back. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down to Ohio, down to Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 414-5271 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. With a little love and some tenderness, we'll walk upon the water, we'll rise above the mist. 
The Sinorama Studios, driven by our friends at Love Chevrolet. We love Love Chevy. LoveChevy.com. Mad Dog Schubert and myself. I don't have a cool nickname like these guys, but it's all good. Uh, we will uh, get you out of here in uh, less than an hour and on your on the road to whatever you've got going on today. But uh, happy Valentine's Day to all you special spouses out there who plan to do something for your families. Uh, just make sure whatever you're doing is wrapped up at about uh, about 7:59, as uh, Derek and Casey will be on the air at eight, and then at eight thirty they will they will tip things off. Want to um, want to slide to some college football here? There's some. So you know we're getting into funny season. I think as we all well know, right? Where we spend the next couple of months uh, fussing and discussing a bunch of crap that really doesn't matter in spring practice. And uh, talking about uh, rules changes and and everybody starts getting into list season and clearly none of that crap matters, but that's what we do. So we'll do it. Uh, according to Chris Vanini, this was a report that came out this morning, and this is really interesting. Um, he's with the Athletic. The headline is College Football Rules Committee to discuss two minute warning, what it could mean for the sport. Uh, he went on to say that the uh, the officials are expected to discuss the idea of adding a two-minute warning to games. Uh, that meeting is coming up at the end of the month. It surfaced, or this possibility has kind of come to the surface a year after the committee, remember, adjusted the clock rules to bring the college game a little bit closer to the NFL by running the clock continuously after first downs outside of the last two minutes. The two-minute warning idea, um, which would be formally referred to as a, quote, stoppage or a break, of course, could provide help with the clock uh, for clock rule change and commercial break purposes. So it, I, I, you said it at the end there. That's precisely what this is. I mean, they changed the damn clock rules, but it didn't shorten the length of these games that we're watching. So a two minute warning is going to do nothing but offer, you know, the networks, the ability to sell more time during games that they know we're going to be compelled to watch at the most compelling time of most of these games to be watching. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. I'm really anxious to hear JC's thoughts on this because I, I, I look JC, we, there, there's two sides to this, this conversation in my mind. Oh, and by the way, Phil, I didn't mean that. Uh, like I didn't, wasn't anxious to hear your thoughts. <laughs> I just realized how that kind of came off the tongue there. Oh, well yeah, done, Mad Dog. Well done. I didn't mean it like that. I, I, I just, I, I know that, like, we've talked about this before and how 
a lot of what is going on from a from a uh, a clock management standpoint in college football, um, you know, how it, it affects the length of the game. But one of the things that's never affected in the length of the game are commercial breaks, right? So, like, especially, especially when you're on ESPNU. Now, I'm not sure how they set up their media packages and stuff like that, the Disney boys and how they how they sell all their stuff. And we've all been doing this a long time at multiple levels. There are multiple ways to do things. I know these national packages are a little bit different for their marketing and advertising dollars. But ESPNU games last freaking forever. And um, so they're running the clock, but you sure aren't cutting any commercials out. Now, again, guys, like we people might be frustrated with the fact that we run them too. Can't help that. If you want to continue to have a show, you know, we, we have to, we, we get creative with things, but you, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have, you're going to see our marketing and advertising partners, right? So, um, a two minute warning would definitely provide that opportunity where I wonder, Phil is, will it from the, from a marketing standpoint, like a, a commercial break standpoint and JC, I want to, I'll let you take it from here. Will it offset anything or will it add to? when it comes to in-game breaks and that's number one and then number two will it help the game because the the whole running clock situation it changes game management we've seen a bunch of bugaboos with coaches and oh we got to run a clock we don't know what to do here that type of thing um you know how will it will it help the game or would it hurt the game so there's there's multiple angles to, to see this from I am not in favor of anything that takes away from play on the field, no matter how long the game is. I do understand and can totally relate to the frustration when you are at the game and play keeps stopping. Those are some long moments. That's one of the reasons I don't really enjoy being at the game anymore. Um, When you're at home, you can go take a, bathroom break get something to eat or grab a beer and you know not have to fight through the crowd <laughs> and you're there you know oh, oh hey the game's on again or you can flip the channel uh but i agree with mark rick because in 03 they tried to shorten the games and the games in 03 were really too short they, they changed the rules back the year the next year he's like the fans wait all year to see football why are we going to take away from what they love and the safety part of it is people need to shut up about that. That's a myth. That's a, that is a, that is a captain obvious worse than the blue chip ratio uh, sort of scenario. Of course, the more plays you play, the more chances are you're going to get hurt. The more you drive, the more chances are statistically you're going to get in a car wreck. Okay. You know, that's just life probability. Uh, you know, science, these people that, 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 that propagate this BS, you know, keep talking about, you know, science and science and science. And well, that's science. It's just, it's obvious. We learned that in second grade. Okay. So there's no injury issue there. Um, for less football, taking eight plays off a game, you know, no, that's stupid. Um, do I like the two minute warning? Yeah, uh, as RLE said, and I, I don't know if this, I, 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 I skimmed the article. Uh, it's from a Tennessee site because obviously anything to do with the clock, they're going to talk about it because of high pool. Um, you know, uh, a two minute warning would add two plays every game. Uh, you know, uh, so um, 
I don't know. I think I think if you could if you could do it the right way, I'm all for it. You know, I'd I'd like to see us continue to to have some differences between the NFL and college. Uh, but man, the two minute warning in NFL is, is kind of fun because there's a little strategy that goes on. Yeah. Um, and and what a two minute warning in football will do is a, it'll give more teams a chance. You know, you'll have to earn it at the end. You can't just get into four minute offense, grind out two first downs, three first downs if your team's out of out of time, and win the game. You know, you got the warning there, and you, you know you're going to have some opportunities for some other teams. So, if they did it the right way, I'd be for it. Uh, I would also be in favor of shortening the commercial breaks, uh, and that's what somebody mentioned in the chat box. Give them the warning, but maybe shorten the commercial breaks during the game by a minute or something. Uh, but, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I could see it working and, uh, and being something because if the clock rules change anyway, under two minutes, it's kind of nice to have that set time. Okay. There's the warning. Well, now the rules change and that could, um, maybe help be a little more clear. Uh, but I, I, I've never been a fan of four minute offense in college where other teams out of timeouts and. You know, you get the ball four minutes to go, and you get two first downs. The game's over. I mean, I, I always thought four minutes was a long time, and in the pros, it is. Uh, so maybe, maybe we would have some more exciting finishes, and the more exciting finishes we have, the the better it is for fans and uh, the the audience of the game, the players, the coaches. Um, you know, we we all love those classic games. So uh, if it if it if it facilitates things like that, I'm in favor of it. I'm just not in favor of. Uh, this whole notion that, you know, you have to shorten the game play-wise and all that. And it said last year, four and a half plays a game on average. It, it got shortened. Uh, I think when Rick, in that year, when I heard Rick say that, 03, I think it was about eight. So four and a half is a lot different than eight. So, uh, And they said this would add maybe two, on average two plays per game. So, so then you're really only looking at missing two plays. And, and I think that's, that's a good number. But, you know, I don't know if uh, – if they'll end up, uh, I mean, and we talk about commercials too, guys. I mean, but in the NFL, man, you watch the NFL game. There's a commercial after every kickoff, a commercial after every punt. Welcome back. Time to punt. All right. Well, I'll take over when we get back. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe college, maybe maybe we've been spoiled as college fans. But I, I know it bothers me a whole lot more when I'm at the game because I'm like, all right, you know, I'm just sitting here because, you know, and then when you're – Nothing against South Carolina or any other college. Those timeouts uh, at games are they are all you get exposed to ads there too. But a lot of times they're terrible and loud and make no sense. And there used to be the pet band would play, the band would play and stuff. And now, now it's like they don't know the corner pantry because we got dollar hot dogs. Yeah. And they're it's like between you know. innings at a at a minor league park. <laughs> yeah, at a minor league park without when the day you don't have the hot dog races, right? The, the, you don't have the the the, the clown talk, show, you know. About, yeah, how you save on a thirty two ounce coke down the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um. <laughs> so anyway, that's uh, that's my take. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I think anything that adds more football for us to consume is a net positive. And I, like I said, it, it could probably end and some more fantastic finishes uh, across the game. Yeah. So I, I think that the way you said that is, is, is spot on. I, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to changes and uh, rules changes and things like that. I've never been opposed to rules changes. 
Uh, what I'm opposed to is rule changes that benefit anything but the sport. Like I, I, I've, I'm very much against doing anything and then expecting us as fans of the sport of college football or any sport for whatever it is to believe in whatever hogwash they want to come up with to be able to sell whatever BS they want to sell to us so they can shove whatever they need to shove down our throats. Like you said, the injury thing. Well, it's going to reduce injuries. You can't prove that. Prove it. There is not an ounce of shred of evidence that can prove that. Because you can't, I mean, I know last year somebody finally got the smart idea and they said, oh, yeah, people aren't believing this. It's cutting it four and a half plays a game. So how are we going to word this differently? Ah, 4.5 times 12. Shoot, that's about 60 plays. Well, it's saving everybody one entire game a year. Well, how's it doing that? Well, it's saving them about 60 plays. Huh? You're telling me that every single one of those players is playing every play? I mean, maybe, are you talking about the quarterbacks? Okay, maybe, but like, so you're... Okay, I got it. So you're going to add 12 and then 16 teams to the playoff. And then, but you're, you're telling me you're saving 60 plays. Yeah, doesn't equate. Like it just doesn't, it, you know what I mean? Like that, that was an afterthought. Like nobody, nobody came up with that. Like they, they came up with it when everybody started calling their bluff. And it was like, this is ridiculous. The coaches were pissed. Everybody was pissed. And then they came out with this line of, well, let's just multiply four and a half plays per game by 12 and that's how many plays they're being saved which is one entire game which is a why lot do of you people, know what? why do people is it, i think this is a social media society thing i think these why people do they want sit, less nah, i think they sit and say i don't know I, I think they want less because of tv i think tv's pushing the whole thing and absolutely love, love mike morgan on him mike's one he'll sit there and I mean, mike because that's mike's profession he's, he's going to sit there and tell you at all times tough tv's paying the bills and he's right he's got a point but, you know, I, I, the college game is awesome because it's the college game. It's not the NFL. You're not packaged in uh, to three a three-hour window. You know, it's not the same old, same old, you know, that kind of thing. And so the more they try – and then the NFL is probably a less – it's a less flexible uh, television product and obviously a, a very successful one at that. So if you're if all you care about is TV and, and, and a production, then – you're obviously going to want more of it like the NFL because of the immense amount of success that's had. doesn't mean it's good for the game. Like you said, Jamie, um, I think that, you know, but, but Michael, I'll tell you, tough. I think it's all about packaging, getting more ad inventory, packaging it in better, you know, not having to switch to ESPN news for the start of the next game. Uh, and, and, you know, and look, I'll be honest as a fan, like I wanted to crawl through the TV and choke Dave Dorn and Mike, Mike Loxley out before the Gator Bowl. I had vertigo and felt like crap and had an Irishman snarling at me enough. Uh, you know, and, and that game was 16 to 12, the, the mayonnaise bowl before the Gator Bowl, 16 to 12. Maryland clearly was going to win timeout after timeout after timeout after commercial after in the Notre Dame game. You know, you got a bar full of Notre Dame people and me. Another Dame game had to start on ESPN News, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was 15 minutes. I mean, I missed, you know, luckily we changed it over, but you'd have missed half the first quarter. Uh, so, so I, I think things like that, the television people are like, well, how can we do that better? 
uh, and, 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 and all that good stuff. And the answer is that's just the way it is. You're going to have games like that, you know, where, where they run over. That's just how it goes. So I, I, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I think that's just how it goes, but I, I think all of this is driving TV. It has nothing to do with safety. It has nothing to do with, you no. know, anything but a better television product, which quite frankly, quite frankly, that's, uh, why do you think we have two bi-coastal conferences now and a third that takes up three time zones? Right. Because of yeah. it's a better television product, isn't it? Sure. Because exactly. people, advertisers and, and viewers and ratings, it all goes up when UCLA's play in Michigan as opposed to Northwestern play in Michigan. You know, you have more television sets in New York and, and DC tuning in when Maryland and Rutgers are playing as opposed to not. So, and, and those things, I, you know, at first I thought expansion was kind of neat. Now that I've seen the end result, you know, I'm happy for what the big 12 did. I'm happy for what the SEC did. Other than that, it makes no sense to me. And I think NIL, transfer portal, whatever you want to talk about, that's fine. Uh, for college athletics in general, and yes, football included, those bi-coastal expansions are disasters waiting to happen. Yeah. And, 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 and I'll tell you the, the my final point here on that, why that's bad for the game. And then you start cookie-cuttering cookie-cuttering it and fiddling with the clock and taking plays away. While that's bad for the game is, hey, guess what? There's different styles of football in different parts of the country. There always has been. That's what makes college football special. You know, hey, Bill Walsh had the West Coast offense, right? Bill Walsh goes and coaches the Dolphins. It's the West Coast offense, but it's on the damn East Coast, isn't it, in the NFL? Because it, it doesn't matter. It's not regional. But College football is still very much a regional sport, and, and that's kind of the soul of the sport at all of college athletics. And if you start taking that away, uh, then I think they're going to find that, yeah, that UCLA-Michigan game is nice and neat for about five years, and it's going to get old. And people, people that have cared for years are just going to be like, well, you know, I just don't know anymore. So hopefully, you know, bright, cooler heads prevail eventually, and uh, – that they kind of start doing things that make more sense and not just because of a trying to optimize a television product. Yeah. It's so uh, the biggest thing I think is going to really affect that coastally is going to be, you know, the season we're about to enter now. Uh, I mean, the, the Stanford Boston college series is going to get real old, real fast when it comes to baseball. I mean, and, and those cross country, you know, treks for, these sports that are, you know, non-revenue at some of these universities, you can talk about travel expenses. I mean, my goodness, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's, well, you're going to have to get hundreds of millions of dollars from the networks just to be able to facilitate the travel associated with this. Some of them, I would imagine after we look at it in five years are nowhere better from a net dollar perspective than they would have been just standing pat. Well, in regionally, too, you think about this, Phil. Is Nebraska better off in the Big Ten? No. Rutgers and Maryland certainly are not. More money. No. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, is our the Boston College, is Boston College and Pitt, are they? No. You know, happy no. to be going traveling. No. Uh, and you could, here's another point a little inside scoop. Maybe we don't pick up on this or talk about it. I've talked to people like with you know, parents, not just parents, but 
coaches and players inside the Gamecocks football program, it's very taxing. They don't talk about it because it sounds like an excuse. But when you go to Missouri and A&M or Arkansas back-to-back weeks, halfway across the country, it is an issue. It is an issue. Um, It's an issue in basketball, too, when you have those long trips like that because there's a big difference in getting on the plane uh, and going to A&M or Missouri versus, you know, Busting up to Knoxville or, or heading down to Florida or something like that, Auburn, Alabama, something like that. So it's, uh, and, and that's just halfway across the country. Could you imagine going from LA to, to Newark? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it, it, you know, kind of circling it back to where we started this conversation, it's, it's really just all being like all these conversations that are being had on a, national level, you know, rules and on all these type things, what do we need to change? Like, I always ask the question, is this change going to help the sport or not? That's number one. Number two, it is just really almost impossible anymore to ever think that these conversations are being had without who's making money involved. And, and I, I, again, I get it. We all get it. You, you know, that's the American way. You don't do anything without, you know, tying something financially to it. Uh, you, you need it to be financially lucrative, but you, you can also burn it down quicker than you think you can. Now, like college football is not going, we're not just going to stop watching college football. Like that's, that's not going to happen. People are going to continue to watch college football, but like it will change the way that we think and feel about it. And I think we, a lot of us have, have felt this over the years. I mean, there used to be, it used to be a time, um, when, you know, it was, it was, uh, how would you explain it guys? You know, it was, this was your, you know, you love these kids, right? This, these are your kids. You felt like you're watching your kids on TV. They were a part of you. And now everything's kind of turning into just a number and a name, and it's it's much much more hostile. And you know, it's the stuff that you see in the NFL. You know, guys showing up and knocking people out in the bleachers, and you know, you're just there just to get drunk and hammered and fall out. And those are the stories now. Like back in the day, like that was never the case. Like you went to, I mean, yeah, I I can tell you right now, my. My dad had plenty of drinks at Carolina football games. They got plenty of fights. It's not like that hadn't been happening for years. I'm not saying that it happened. It didn't happen. But you also just kind of shook hands and got back up and <laughs> cheered for the team. You know, like it's becoming more about that and not about doing those things while you're doing what you love. And I, I just feel like a lot of these changes has has affected that. It, it's made it – it's just made it a number. It's just made it a number. And and I, I don't like it. Here, here's something, too, real quick, JC. This is – this is <laughs> – well, this is something. Uh, this is week eight in the ACC. These are all uh, – with one of them is a non-league game, Wake Forest at UConn. But the rest of these are league games. Boston College. Boston College at Virginia Tech. Florida State at Duke. Notre Dame at Georgia Tech. Virginia at Clemson. Miami at Louisville. And then you've got a couple of outstanding matchups. NC State at Cal and SMU at Stanford. Those are ACC games. Go Ponies. Oh, no. oh, oh. And, all right, so everybody always talks about the ACC having a North Carolina bias, and I'm convinced they do. I mean, everybody says the SEC falls at the feet of Alabama, and certainly Alabama is a 
is a big time program within this conference, but there's others. So, all right. So you add all these West coast teams, right. And, uh, and the state of North Carolina kind of required them to do this. Uh, but you look at, they, they booked their basketball tournament out for the next few years, Charlotte and Greensboro baseball (laughs) tournament, Greensboro and Durham or Charlotte and Durham. I mean, I'm like, are you guys, you know, you're, you're now a bi-coastal conference with, right. You know, schools from Boston to Dallas to San Francisco and, you're right back here on Tobacco Road. I mean, you know, that's not biased. I mean, you know. That's a great uh, point. Which is another reason why that league needs to suffer. I mean, that they keep, they make stupid decisions. They fancy themselves as something they're not. Um, the I mean, government. The ACC football championship should be in Dallas, JC. It should be at the home of SMU. They're right in the middle. No doubt. Yeah, right in the middle. I mean, I'll, I'll say this, too. Uh, these other schools that, that lick the heels of the Tar Heels and suck up to them, you know, that relationship. And, and look, there's schools that Clemson doesn't. Florida State certainly doesn't. And the, the newcomers certainly don't. Maryland certainly didn't. But the Virginias of the world and people like that. It reminds me of the, dis, you know, the, the most abusive, dysfunctional relationship we've seen in college football uh, in the last few years is the Big Ten and Pac-12. Because you, you don't think North Carolina, the University of North Carolina, is going to, the first chance they get, jump Absolutely. for the SEC or Big Ten? 100%. People can say all that. People, yeah. these academic people can – the, the pencil necks can cry all they want. Well, they would never join the SEC because of academics. Yep. No, BS. And I, right. and I sat right beside someone that's pretty high up at North Carolina during an NIL uh, – speech before the North Carolina game and he didn't say anything on the record or off the record about it. But when, when you kind of talk to him about it, it there wasn't a whole lot of big 10, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and you can bet Greg Sankey's not stupid and he knows a big brand when he sees it. And, you know, it, I'm sorry, Clemson fans listening, Florida state fans listening, Y'all don't get the first ticket to the dance if 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 those schools are able to leave, uh, and and the SEC wants one of you, it's going to be North Carolina. I mean, and, and and look, rightfully so, they're one of the biggest brands in all of college sports. It's a huge state, large fan base, got plenty of money, and historically they're not very good at football. And if you notice, the four teams the SEC's added until Texas and Oklahoma guys weren't exactly blue bloods. No, no, no. And and Florida State would be right behind them, by the way. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to Clemson. I, I, it, it's not a Clemson Carolina thing. I care less about that. But the, it's about the brand. It's the brand. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing, though. Here, let, let me let, let me add on to what you're saying a little bit here. Here's the thing, too. Like you mentioned, North Carolina. Okay, let's say that somehow all this gets cleared up, and and all of a sudden there's a loophole, and everybody can jump ship and move on and do whatever the hell they want and go wherever they want to go. And North Carolina says, "Bye bye, we're out." SEC. I'm, I'm not saying this will happen. I'm just saying we'll take you with open arms. Florida State will take you with open arms. And to your point on the whole academic thing, well, this is academic, this, that, and the other. Okay. Name one. Nate, can you name one? One program in the SEC right now that if the ACC said, hey, look, we're going to strengthen this thing. We want you. Come be a part of it, big dog. Name one program that says, oh, yeah. We're in. We're getting out of the SEC, and we're hauling rear end over there. 
Can either of you name one? Nope. You can't no. name one. And here's not even Vanderbilt. Not yeah, that's right. Not no. even Vanderbilt. You're not passing not up even. that check. No way. And then so here's here's the other side of it. If Boston College or Syracuse or Wake Forest or Pittsburgh, it doesn't matter. The SEC picks up the phone. They go, hey, Wake, man, really love what you're doing. Want you to be a part of it. You think they're going to go, man, I tell you what, we just love the academics here in the ACC. No. Right. They don't know. <laughs> they're they're gonna pack their stuff up so quick they can't wait to get out of there. We don't all think doing. We don't think you're culturally aligned with our. You know, <laughs> we're just gonna bring a bunch of rednecks up to Boston, have us a tea party every six weeks, and get go Eagles. We get some great man. It's, it's get them lobster rolls going, and guess where to? That's where they all, that, that, um, go to Harvard and tour. Ex- uh, Craig's right, exactly. Yeah, it's the opposite of these chancellors and presidents of these institutions when they are faced with this question yeah. and the availability and the and the light and the like, ACC totally two faced, totally yeah. two faced. It's like it's <laughs> it is. They're like, where? Huh? Uh, how much? Right. Uh, well, it totally. is something we'd have to consider. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally two faced. They give you that stuff that JC just said, and, and that's their line. That's what keeps yeah. their. You know, their 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 base have it's like politics. You know, it keeps their base happy, keeps their donors happy. All, you know, all the nerds that went to Wake Forest, uh, you know, are out there saving our lives. People like me are making fun of them on on radio, whatever we're doing. It don't oh, mind they me, deserve you know? to be made fun but, of. But 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 That's like yeah. you get my point. Like they give you the company, it's the company line. But then the reality of it is the SEC knocks on the door and says, We'd like to be a part of what you're doing. But yeah, you remember all that stuff we've been saying for the last, you know, 20 years about academics? We don't care about that. We'll, no, no, we'll, we'll be over there. The speech will end up going like, well, we relish the opportunity to join this conference and raise both the athletic and yeah. academic, academic standards. Yeah. It'll be a totally yeah, right. new company line. It's yeah. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, okay. It's all, right. it's all a lie. Everything That's they tell you is a lie. You saw us, old poverty academically <laughs> SEC over here, and we're like, you yeah. know what? Uh-huh. You need our help. You need yeah. Chapel Hill to make <laughs> the SEC a bright, shining beacon of academia. And yeah. they're like, no, we just want the state institution that's going to give us the biggest footprint while still maintaining our regionality because that's what we do. Yeah. The only, and Quantrell, to answer your question, yes, and, and here's why. <laughs> The so the universe North Carolina system is different than South Carolina's. It's, it's kind of like normal normal states. It's kind of like uh, a lot of states that have a board of regents that govern the university system. So like technically in North Carolina, NC State's the same as USC Spartanburg or you know USC Aiken. It's all part of the same system. Same they have the same thing in Florida, same thing in Georgia. Uh, so obviously. Um, the Chapel Hill and, and all the other schools, their their board answers to the big one. Big one's got a lot of NC State people on it and is a lot as a political tour de force. Well, they're trying to pressure the state legislature to pass laws that say no, Chapel Hill can't leave. <laughs> so that yeah. So do I think they're actively trying to leave? Yes. Or at least it's gotten beyond the rumor stage because the the Wolfpackers and the the uh, East care the pirates and, and all that. They're not, they're not happy with it, but I mean, I've also seen situations where 
you, you know, you can work your way around it. I mean, like Arizona and Arizona State are tied like that. And Arizona State was thinking about staying in the Pac-12 for whatever reason because uh, their president was an idiot. But um, Arizona was just going to go on without him. So I, I think it could be worked out. But, yeah, that makes me think that. Uh, the one thing I would I would say keep an eye on, and I like talking about this stuff because it's highly speculative and it's never <laughs> it never works out exactly uh, like you think. If North Carolina said we are we we want to come to the SEC, but we want to bring Duke, I think the SEC would take a long, hard look at it. I, I don't I don't leave I don't think they would. I, I think that they would answer yes immediately. <laughs> I, I, I you you don't look you I think you don't say yes to NC State as well if that was the other thing. It was like, okay, well, we have to bring along the wolf pack. I think the SEC would jump at that in a heartbeat. I don't I don't disagree with that. Phil, I, I think that I think that the, the black eye I, I mean sorry. Uh, the black eye for the state of North Carolina is is Wake Forest. I mean, the SEC doesn't need Wake Forest. They don't want anything to do with them. They're not a brand. NC State is a similar brand to South Carolina. I think we can all agree on that. Um, and, you know, and then, yeah, Duke and North Carolina are national brands. Like, what is Duke bringing from a football? I mean, Duke's actually been pretty good in football the last few years. They wouldn't be that good in the SEC. They'd have some work to do. Um, that's what NIL's for. Vandy'd have a buddy, um, but yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. Hey, yeah, you're yeah, you're yeah. bringing that brand to the league, like basketball. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, before I mean, the like, before think the, about that for a second, right, JC? Hmm? Like, who who are the who are the three big four fine biggest brands in college basketball? Who are the two biggest brands in college basketball? Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Kansas. Okay, so you would have three of UCLA, them, maybe. And you'd have three of them in your league. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say no I, to that. I would yeah. no. I would never count Kansas out with SEC expansion either, because number one, it's, it gets Missouri hated. Right. It's connected to the footprint. Number two, it's not a. It's not a. It doesn't make football any harder, although they yeah. have been good. Um, I, I guess I'm tra- I said before the pan during the pandemic they played the Rose Bowl outside of California, obviously because it was North Korea during that time. Um. Before that, there's one Rose Bowl played out away from the West Coast. You know where it was? Wallace Wade Stadium in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, so there's some history there. Wallace Wade left Alabama for the Duke job back in the 30s. There's some there's some long history there. I mean, honest to God, you know, it, I, I, Vanderbilt's never really been that good. Okay, it, it's at any sport, really. Baseball is kind of their Duke has been good in football from time to time, and they they're elite in basketball. So, I think I think competitively they they probably would fit in better. Somebody asked if East Carolina joined the ACC. ACC. Oh, they they would get desperate and take them, but the ACC. If I, if all those if I'm I'm going to say no. I'm I'm going to say no because they are never joining the ACC. If those if those guys are still there, North Carolina, Duke, oh, yeah. nah, they'll never. You, it's as sure as the fact that there's a blue sky outside today. They will never join that league if those cats are still in the league. If they're gone, the ACC is probably gone anyways. So so East Carolina won't be a part of it. Like 
that's a that's a that's a program, an athletic program. We got to get a break, but that's an athletic department that honestly has a lot of potential. It's a great fan base. It really is a great fan base. Um, an outstanding baseball program. And they're, I mean, Greenville, North Carolina sucks to go there because it literally you're just driving through fields and then there's this town all of a sudden. But no, like, never there in Starkville or Oxford or Auburn or <laughs> yeah. you know? like, yeah. and that's kind of what it feels like. Like, this is what those guys were before, like when the SEC got started back in 1930, whatever it was. I mean, that's. You know what I mean? So, like, in 100 years, we might look up, and East Carolina is some big-time hot-shot program, athletic department, and you're like, ah, damn, I wonder what they were like back in uh, 2024. You know what I mean? Well, this is what they were like. So, I mean, it's – no. They'll, they'll never – they won't let them in. They're, they're just not going to let them in. They're not going to let App State through that door. Y'all, they, they, those are the little kid brothers, man, you know? And they're not going to let them in the door. They're not going to let them have a piece of that pie. So, I but I'm with you. Duke, North Carolina, Florida State, uh, and I would say Virginia too. Don't don't forget about Virginia. Don't forget about Virginia. Um, there's a lot of value in them as well. All right, so uh, it's one forty three. So we need to hit our final timeout. We'll do that, and we will slide back into tonight's matchup between Auburn and South Carolina when we return on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight out the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. Endless summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor.
If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. It's 2024, and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans, and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you getting healthy and staying healthy. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year. Hey, Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington at the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating get yourself the three amigos bundles for tailgating they make catering easy with a fresh hot setup and again you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up you can also look them up online or you can even download the app salsaritas is just a cut above the rest that's why they're serving williams price stadium and the south stands also serving in the colonial life arena again that catering hotline number make it easy for you and the folks out there you don't need to settle for sandwiches every time 803-543-6297 803-543-6297 rescues and resin proud supporters of carolina rise they are also proud partners of the show they make products you can't get anywhere else custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate make your home or make anything stand out Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. Rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Gonna do the Johnson with the crossover off the glass and in. Gamecock Traditions in Columbia, Lexington, and the Village at Sand Hill. Gamecocktraditions.com is where you can order it and have it sent, bam, to your doorstep. A little late to have it get there before 8.30 tonight, but if you are in the Midlands market, you can certainly slide by and pick up your Q-Zip. And don't forget, Carolina Baseball 
now is 50 hours and 12 minutes away from throwing the first pitch here in 2024. Mad Dog and Schubert and uh, myself taking you home. Final 10 minutes of the program. A couple of other quick things here. We want to make sure they squeeze in before we get back into basketball. Um, you've got Carolina softball ranked in the top 20, boys and girls. They are now number 20 in the nation, but they're headed out of the country to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. That would be south of the border. Uh, they will have to. Uh, never mind. I just won't get into all that, but, but they're going there. They are going there legally. Let's put it that way. Uh, they're 5-0 and as they head down south to take on 13th ranked Utah, Wichita State, UC Davis, and UC San Diego in the Puerto, Puerto Vallarta College Challenge. The Gamecocks uh, will uh, face Utah and Wichita State for the first time since the 1990s, and they've never played UC San Diego. So it, uh, that'll be interesting. But um, Carolina's undefeated, so hats off to them. This is their second of four consecutive tournaments that they'll play into open the season. Uh, also, if you heard a bunch of popping outside, if you, if you were looking around, maybe you live in Florida or Arizona, and you're like, what the hell is that noise? Ah, it's just balls hitting gloves, that's all. Pitchers and catchers have reported now for the big leaguers, and they're out, out west, and they're down south, and they're getting everybody all fired up. And at some point in time, we'll get a resolution to whether we can actually watch the Atlanta Braves if you don't have Comcast or Spectrum. <laughs> uh, in addition to that, George Kalyabkov looks to be on the way out in the Pac-12. That was brilliant cool. move. Didn't work out. <laughs> or the Pac-2, the two-pack, two-pack. Kalyabkov wasn't as bad as that. Larry Scott's no, the one that yeah. really ran it in the ground, and he didn't even did kick out. But then they hired this guy, and he, he didn't really have the chops in college right. athletics or television to get this done. Uh, whereas the Big 12 hired Brett Yormark, and you saw what happened. Correct. Um, yep. you know, we've gone in 10 years from the Pac-12 literally looking to, to just dice up the Big 12 and take Texas and Oklahoma and A&M and everybody else to now there being no Pac-12. How about that? Yeah, that's crazy. I was going to say, I mean, what is he commissioning over at this point? Yeah, he had to be fired. Well, well, if there's any justice in the world, those schools are going to divide up the remaining assets and and pay themselves out uh, and merge with the Mountain West. But um, which I hope I hope we see maybe a new dawn of a of a powerful Western uh, Western conference, you know, um, I agree. as some of these states, like Idaho, is the one of the fastest growing states in the country. Montana's growing. Yeah. Um, as those states grow, uh, who knows? Who knows what, what what could happen in time? Because certainly, you know, there weren't a lot of powerhouses out west. You know, when, when that league started, and it ended up being pretty good. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, JC, everything's cyclical. I'm with you. I think that uh, at some point in time. And I don't know when it'll be, but it'll be somewhere a little bit down the road, five years, ten years, somewhere. And then there's going to be some cat in a little room some somewhere, and he's going to look at a bunch of his buddies and he go, you know, I was just thinking about this. Hey, John, grab Billy, bring him in here. Hell yeah, what you got, boss? Well, I was thinking that we have uh, Oregon and Washington and Southern Cal, UCLA, uh, Utah. Um, 
We got Oregon State, Arizona. Like, there's all these teams that are out here on this side of the country, and we're we're traveling across the nation. Like, maybe we should just start a league of our own and sell that to the TV networks. Well, I'll be damned, Billy. That sounds like a great idea. I think they used to have something like this. Well, they did. Well, I don't know. I was, I was at the time. I was just running a you know a, a casino in Vegas. I wasn't paying attention. But I feel like I can make some money on this. Oh, okay, well that sounds great, Billy. And then then there would be this new league called the Pac-10. Everybody be shaking their heads, going, mm-hmm, "Yeah." But if, by then, you know, yeah, just start with eight. You know, maybe maybe grab Boise, Fresno. Anyways, um, so I mean, you're yeah. gonna miss all that, like the Pac-12 after dark stuff and things like that. I mean, what are you you're gonna get? You know, like half the ACC after dark. That doesn't sound appealing at all. <laughs> I hope when nothing sexy about the ACC after dark. Yeah, for the sake of this just being hard on everybody, I really hope that when like Clemson and Florida State, which it won't happen for those programs, it only happened for like Boston College, but Clemson and Florida State, Miami, they got to go out and play Stanford. I really hope they start those games at like nine o'clock, ten o'clock. You know, make you stay up at two in the morning to watch them. I would. Uh, I'd love to see that. That's what you get when you when you you know when you when you do things like that. All right, one more quick final. Stanford baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a yeah. tough place to play. Sunken diamond is is not easy. Um, fe- February twentieth is the college football playoff board of managers expected vote on the five seven model, which would bring the five highest ranked conference champions and the next seven highest ranked teams into the 12-team playoff this fall. Hello? It's almost March. The season starts in August. Like, I'm assuming the vote's going to pass because if it fails, we've got a 12-team playoff coming and nobody knows who the hell's going to get in there and how they're going to do it. Uh, So we're expecting that to pass on February the 20th, which is six days away. So congratulations, college football playoff dudes. You've continued to screw everything up. You kick the can down the road, and uh, now they're going to try to piece it all together so they can go out and sell $16 billion worth of advertising over the next seven years. They're going to use the net ranking. That's right. Big Slam is on it here. CW After Dark, Stanford, Boston College, 11 p.m. Saturday night, right after the Gilmore Girls here on the CW. Tonight, though, at 8.30, it will be dark when this game is tipping off as well. Over on the plains of Auburn, it is 11th-ranked South Carolina and 13th-ranked Auburn. These two programs are a combined 40-8 and on the year and a combined 17-5 and in the SEC. But Carolina's record is better than Auburn's in all of those categories, 21-3 and overall, 9-2 and in the league, and looking to make that 10-2. and They would be in sole possession of first place, if they're able to get the victory tonight, as Alabama, as JC pointed out earlier, does not tip until Saturday, February the 17th. Carolina seeking the eighth straight SEC victory. Eighth straight. It's the longest streak in the league this year. It is their longest streak since 1996-1997 when they opened league play that year at 11-0. In addition... Gamecocks are four and one in the league on the road. It's the highest winning percentage away from home of any team in the SEC. But the Tigers have won five straight in the series, dating back to March of 2018. Auburn 12 and 0 at Neville Arena this season. Kevin Fitzgerald, John Sunbold will 
call it tonight on uh, the Network. And, of course, Eric and Casey, they've got it on 107.5 games starting at 8 o'clock. Can't wait. JC, who wins? I'm going to say say the Gamecocks. Oh, take that, Hope. I haven't haven't picked against the Gamecocks yet this year, so... I'm so sorry, Hope. I, I owe you an apology. She's so sweet. I'm just she knows we're just messing with her. We love Hope. Man, these people that are sitting here, ah, this Ohio State thing. Sorry we didn't discuss it. I am sorry now because I didn't know earlier that it's gonna be all over his name. Paris's name is gonna be on the front of all these websites about the job. But uh folks, calm down. Just calm down and and don't unintentionally. I see people trashing Lamont Paris that are Gamecock fans <laughs> saying there's no way they consider him. And, and people wonder why I don't ever talk about assistant coaching changes and throw names out. <laughs> it's just losing battle. None of us are qualified to determine that fit, including half the athletic directors in the country. It's all a crapshoot, and yeah. you know I just don't believe in trashing your your coach is 21 and three because he may or may not be in the mix for some job that were weirdly opened on Valentine's day. So, but it's, a, yeah. but on the flip side though, it's Ohio state. Okay. That's a great, great job. And Paris is from Findlay, Ohio, played basketball in Ohio in college. So that l- let's not lose track of that, but put it in the back of your mind right now. They got a game to play tonight. The news just broke two hours ago and uh, South Carolina and Lamont Paris will have plenty to discuss as the season goes along when it comes to contracts and things like that. But um, it's about basketball today. And I assure you, if Lamont is asked about this, he will not answer the question, and he shouldn't, uh, because his team is almost ranked in the top 10. We'll see if they can get it done tonight at 8.30. Neville Arena, SEC Network. Again, Derek Scott, Casey Manning, they've got it on the Gamecock Sports Network, 107.5 The Game, the app, and everywhere in between. At uh, eight o'clock. Thanks to Derek and, for joining us today, by the way, and Matt Anderson. And remind me tomorrow to get the Vegas thing in because I don't want to do it on opening day. So uh, people, people have been asking about it. Uh, yeah, opening day. Uh, this opening day, I'm probably not even going to. I'm not even going to talk. <laughs> I may ask a question or two. I'm just going to soak in the ambiance of greatness of our lineup of guests for yeah, five well, hours. It's going to be fun, no doubt. Look forward to getting to Columbia tomorrow night and getting this thing cleaned up. I'm, I'm fired up for you, JB. I'm fired up for Mad Dog. He's going to eat all I'm the excited. tacos. Yeah. I I'm, I'm, I can't wait. I'm waiting on the spread. That's what you said. Do it up. You said Mad Dog, and I thought of, I had a discussion about Mad Dog 2020 in the Uber the other day. <laughs> and I immediately thought, are you? I was like, nah, nah, nah. Hey, what if I was like really, really dumb and naive and I like brought a bottle of Mad Dog like on Fridays, drank it on the air. I thought we were all going to do it. Whittle talked about drinking bourbon on the on the late night show last night. I mean, I wasn't going to stop that if he wanted to. But then he said he didn't have any chicken cock and was trying to make me feel bad. Uh, He can he can direct that at me. I'll get him a bottle. No, that's all right. <laughs> no, I know. For Mad Dog and Schubert, I'm JB. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 from the Sinorama Studios inside the Gamecocks of the show. <laughs>